Nochner. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Blood of the Void, our Star Trek Adventures play along here live with the Streampunks cast here. How's everybody doing? It's been a month since our last game, almost a month, because we had sort of like that sh that cut in when we did our crossover, right? <sighs> I got to tell y'all, it kind of sucks not seeing you guys for a month. Like this once yeah. a month thing. Could you guys just get rid of your lives so that you can make everything that you do about this game? I'd appreciate it. Then we can just play this every week, right? No? Okay, we'll move on. So let's go ahead and uh, get to our announcements today. Does anybody have anything that they want to share before we jump into tonight's game? I'm looking at you, Elisa Pearl. I do, I have two. I think Quincy has one too, though. Yes, I think so. Quincy, Who wants Quincy to go first? go first? All right, okay. Quincy, you're up. Save, save your big one. Um, uh, my friend Phil Yu, who's also known as Angry Asian Man, um, and uh, we share a podcast collective, um, he just launched his new podcast called All the Asians on Star Trek, uh, which is about, drumroll, all the Asians who have been on Star Trek. Um, the first episode just dropped out last week. It's featuring Tim Lunibus, who played Lieutenant Daniel Kwan on TNG. Um, who so and then it's gonna keep keep going. So go ahead and tune into that. Um, all the Asians on Star Trek. You can find it on like IG and Twitter at the short form. So A T A O S T. Um, so yeah, check that out. It'll be really great. And, um, and I want to give. We're gonna be on it someday too, right? I mean, d does this count as a Star Trek show for his purposes? I'll have to talk to him about it. It should. <laughs> I think so. I think it should. I'll write yeah. in. I'll just write in and be like, I think you should have these two actors. They're on a show. <laughs> They'll get Rave on, but not us for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, cool, Quincy. Uh, what you got for us, Aliza? Well, I have two announcements to announce. They're both shows that are starting very soon. One of them is uh, my group Ripley Improv. We like to be really secretive about our genres. And we finally announced today that we are doing an improvised medical drama. So kind of like Grey's House? Anatomy, uh, New Amsterdam, ER, House. Not really, well, House. Yeah, actually, yeah, like House. So like if you House? like medical dramas, uh, come watch our show. We're improvising the whole thing. We have a big, gorgeous, amazing cast and lots, we're gonna have guest stars and stuff. It's gonna be on twitch.tv slash Ripley Improv starting Friday, September 25th. So um, there's that. And then actually on this here channel, I'm also going to be uh, premiering a new show. I'm like, it's not my show, I'm just playing in it. It's your show. It's the Elisa Pearl <laughs> I'm show. I'm just playing in it. Um, right here on Q Times on September 15th, we will be premiering Operation Emberfall which is a Phoenix Dawn Command live play. I did not know about this game before the GM, Eddie, Do Eddie Dottie, Doty? How do you Doty. say it? Eddie Doty. our boy Eddie Doty. Doty. Eddie Doty, before he came to me, I hadn't heard of this game. And once I dove in, I was like, oh, this is a world I want to play in. It's super cool. It makes me think of like Wonder Woman and like Valkyries and these like warriors who are reborn and things. It's so, so cool. Um, has like really strong military vibes, um, really strong warrior, ancient war, like the old guard even. So yeah, if that's your thing, then come watch us. We're gonna be here Tuesdays starting September 15th. 
I love Eddie Doty. Uh, for anybody who is not aware, Eddie Doty uh, was one of the high mucky mucks over at Geek and Sundry for a while. He was one of uh, the members in the leadership position. You can thank Eddie Doty for Vast. If you enjoyed that show, he was one of the principal people behind getting that show up and going. He was a supporter of Shield of Tomorrow. He was doing a lot of great work for us over at Geek and Sundry. So it's thrilling to be having him on the channel and uh, in the community again with us. I can't wait to see him run a game. I'm looking yes. forward to it. He's been talking about Phoenix Dawn Command for a bajillion years now. Yeah, so. I know he said he was one of the supporters when they kickstarted it. Mm -hmm. so, like, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's been, he's been like promoting it and living in this world for a while. So excited to play with it. Right on. Okay, so that's on the 15th of this month. Is that correct? Yep. All right, cool. Um, so definitely follow Q times if you haven't, if you're not tracking us yet, so you can keep track of like when that's going up and what time and whatnot. Uh, does anybody else have any other announcements before we jump into tonight's episode? Anybody else got anything? Nope, nope, nope. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, without any further ado, then, folks, let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Blood of the Void. Supposed to be getting, you know, in mood here to run a Klingon game, but I can't get over this photo that was posted on Twitter for Blood of the Void tonight. Well done, Elisa Pearl. Well done. Um, gotta have your guck before a gotta have battle. <laughs> All right. So interestingly enough, Blood of the Void, um, as I mentioned before when we were playing this game, because of the frequency in which we play, we bounce around a little bit. We don't necessarily follow the same time track as Clear Skies. That being said, tonight's episode is starting off shortly after the return of our crewmates from Risa with a Ferengi captive in tow. <laughs> it has been an interesting trip home. The quick recap is this. After being given some orders to watch what they believe to be a corridor of travel between the Romulan Star Empire and the Shackleton Expanse, the IKS of Orku was ordered to the border in order to patrol and keep an eye out for any possible Romulan activity. Now, this might have seemed productive, but it was kind of a frustrating order to get from the top because they want the, the crew of the IKS Borku wants to be a little more active in finding out what the hell is going on ever since that whole incident happened six months ago with the cloaking device being the information about the cloaking device being taken out of the space station that used to be part of the General Chang's family. Everything that has been taking place that has been building up to this point. This assignment of patrolling the Romulan neutral zone feels a lot like the Borku is being told to go sit in the corner because there's not much the Borku can do on the Romulan neutral zone. Romulans can cloak, same as you. What are you gonna do? And yet here you all are running patrol duty. 
Um, you weren't about to let that stop you, though. And news after you encountered this traitor who was out here to make a trillion, you came across wreckage, if you remember correctly, um, of a trader that was trying to make a trillion D uh, transaction, we should say, between Romulans and himself. You discovered this trader uh, was actually a business associate of a certain Ferengi that had been setting up this deal from the beginning and who has been trading with the Romulans for some time now and was responsible for sort of being the middleman and getting Trillium D into the hands of the Romulans. This led a small portion of you on a descent away mission all across the quadrant to the most pitiful world of Risa, filled with soft human decadence. Federation races in their pastel colors and their <laughs> relaxing music and their oils and bath massages and their bizarre little fertility statues. It was all rather off-putting for a Klingon, but you managed to endure. And you even managed to beat the hell out of some pirates in the process. Um, returning to your shuttlecraft with Skag in tow, you have returned all the way across the quadrant in what was probably one of the most irritating shuttle rides you have had um, taking you a few weeks to travel, <laughs> but you do manage to return. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you didn't travel through shuttle. You actually booked a chartered flight. Uh, how did, wait, remind me. You guys arrived. Oh, that's right. I remember now. The transport that brought you back, you actually booked transport. <laughs> and the transport that brought you back after rendezvousing with the Borku, this has been a very troubling journey from start to finish because this Ferengi skag is it's not just that he's a typical annoying Ferengi is that he's clearly brilliant and kind of masks it by his clownish nature. But what you have all gleaned from Skag since you have brought him on board the Borku is that he knows a lot more than he has let on. He also seems to be aware of his situation, particularly been being brought on board a cavort class bird of prey. He knows that he is a cornered animal. We're starting tonight's game off with the thudding sound of an ex-Ferengi daemon being hurled to the deck plates of the Ikeas Borku on the bridge at the feet of Captain Bemir. Skag is laying on the ground for a moment before he pushes himself up and glances up at you. Even in the dark, shadowed bridge atmosphere of this cavort class bird of prey you can see the glint of fear in the Ferengi's eyes as he slowly just kind of pans up and looks straight up at you commander and with a big sharp toothy grin uh, he kind of just goes you must be the commander you're just the one I was hoping to see uh, my name is Damon Skag and uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for coming to get me at Raisha. Is that what you're calling it? Coming oh, I was, I was uh, expecting you all to arrive as I was trying to tell your uh, your mighty warriors. Um, thanks for getting me out of that mess. You know, the Federation. <laughs> they're, they're awful people, awful people. We tried to run no more than, no less than three times. No, I, I wasn't trying to run. I was cramped and... Risa encourages people to uh, 
uh, explore the functionality of their own bodies. I was just trying to see how fast my legs could move in that direction. I wasn't actually running from you. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. What's worse is he smells worse than an eviscerated tag. Could you clean yourself sometimes? Well, if I could, do you Klingons have like a shower or a sonic shower, perhaps or like a bath? I'm happy to help myself to it. Yes, you can, if you want to show me to my quarters, I'm, I can get to work cleaning myself and then we could have like a, a new meeting in a, like a, like a creative bonding session where we Please all like- stop talking, Captain. This is what we have been putting up for for so long. If I didn't nerve pinch him, he would still be talking. He never stops. Does he ever say anything useful? Oh, lots of useful things. Uh, in fact, I have a deal for you, if you're willing to hear it. We are not traitors. We're not here to make deals. Ah, that's, um, that's difficult. I'm, that's kind of what I do, so, uh... Perhaps you could offer us some information. I would be without, happy to. Yes. Without us having to take it from you against your will. No, no, no. You wouldn't have to take it against my will. I'm happy to give it to you. The, uh... May I ask for something in return? Very you small. Can ask. You can ask, but you may not receive it. I... That's understandable. I... Um, was just thinking, you know, given the state of my circumstances right now, it's uh, probably pretty smart not to 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 ask for too much, right? Uh, and and you were very kind enough to rescue me from the Federation. So I was thinking, maybe if I tell you literally every damn thing I know, <laughs> you will let me live. Smart one. You brought me a smart Ferengi. Well done, crew. He looks over at you, Kotar, and just goes, See, I'm smart. You're lucky I'm in front of my captain. Well, tell us what you need to tell us. Which is everything from what you said. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you everything. Uh, what is it exactly you want to know, though? I don't actually understand why I'm here. <laughs> Romulans, the ones you're working with, who they are, their names, how many of them, where we can find them. Ah, uh, that's, that's right. I, I do remember lots of questions about Trillium D, don't I? <laughs> well, um, oh, you had to ask the tough one, didn't you? Couldn't have just asked me about spice or, uh, Literally anything else. Well? Don't make me question whether or not you're a smart Ferengi. No, 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 I, I wouldn't do that. Um, <clears throat> well, there's a lot happening in the Romulan Star Empire, as you know. There's a lot um, conflicting points of view about uh, what happens next there as the political science lecture and tell us what we need to know. Um, I was doing a deal for Trillium D with uh, the Romulans. 
They want to outfit the whole of their starships to be able to uh, survive, I guess, or interact with the naturally occurring spatial anomalies in the Shackleton Expanse, if I remember that correctly. And? And, um... Who are they? Well, there's two, as it turns out. I thought there was only one, but uh, things didn't go the way they were supposed to go. I was, um, I was doing a deal with uh, an admiral, uh, a man named Mindak, who was uh, requesting uh, large quantities of Trillium D. And um, over the course of our business together, things began to change uh, slightly. You get a nose for this kind of thing when you're a Ferengir, though. You kind of know when the deal is either going sour or if maybe someone's not as interested as they used to be. So you might have to sweeten the pot and make sure they don't renege on the deal. Because when you're going through all this trouble to transport Trillium Deep, which, by the way, only exists in the Federation. So transporting it across the quadrant isn't exactly easy, especially when you have a reputation. Okay. Um... So, uh, anyway, uh, so Mindek started um, becoming impatient and angry. And then he, uh, we had a deal to deliver um, certain quantities of Trillium D, but he never showed up. And instead, I was surrounded by a few very angry Romulan warships and someone named Sila. This uh, Romulan woman, uh, I guess, is someone who's important and decided to take over for Mindak and got the impression they didn't like each other very much. Seemed to be irritated that she had to be there, but um, she made a deal with me on Mindak's behalf and kind of oversaw uh, the exchanges. At that point, I became middleman and started hiring traders to do the business because, um, frankly, I could tell that I was going to wind up dead if I kept talking to this woman. <laughs> you get a nose for that when you're a Frankie, you know. Yes. So about the, um, I guess uh, about uh, at least six months now, I've been delivering Trillium D to the Romulans. I think that uh, they probably have enough by now to do whatever it is that they're doing for however many ships they want to do it with. Um, Where? Where would you drop off to them? Where would you meet them? Well, they, they had a... Uh, they always... When Sheila took over doing the deals, they were always meeting everywhere. There wasn't a, a single meeting spot. We kept, like, jumping around very secret, very kind of Talsiari, you know? But um, eh, when, I, uh, when I was starting to back away from the deals, I, I learned rather accidentally from one of Mindak's former men that they have a, a processing plant or a, a base somewhere uh, on the edges of the Shackleton Expansion. Where on Which the edge of the Shackleton Expanse? Uh, well, I could get the coordinates, but I would need to access my computer, and that is currently in the hands of my disgusting, pathetic, completely incompetent brother. 
What is his name? His name is Refuse. His name is Traitor. His name is Pathetic. Get to the point, Ferengi. You knew that's where the information was. You spent all this time with us and never told us that's where the data was. Well, uh, I need some kind of guarantee that I'm getting out of here alive. I can certainly contact my brother. I know the hailing frequency in which to reach him. He's on board my ship right this second, I'm sure. I want to crouch down in front of the Ferengi. I know it's not like your people to lean on the side of logic, but it is illogical for you to not tell us what we need to know. I've given you more than enough time, and you are starting to run my nerves wrong. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't literally know the coordinates out of my memory, but it's, it's, it's on the computer of my old ship, the, the liquidator. But uh, use me to contact Liquidator, and I'm sure I could get that information for you. Do you know oh. where the Liquidator is? No, but I do know the frequency in which I can reach the Liquidator. How do you know? How do we know you're not trying to contact someone to subvert our plans? Because I'm a smart Ferengi. Perhaps it is a good time to remind you, Ferengi, that you cannot make a deal if you are dead. I believe that is one of your rules of acquisition. Yes. Yes. And also, rule acquisition is never giving away anything for free, but um, I think my life is an ac- accurate exchange, and, and you could use me in the future. I mean, if you let me live, you have now a connection to the Ferengi trade union and a number of... Ooh, and I have Romulan contacts. Right? So, they don't know I've been captured by you. You could use me I'll for that. I'll flick him in the head. What's that? I'll flick you in the head. I'll flick the Ferengi <laughs> in the Thump him right in the head and he goes, yeah. Get to the point. I, 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 I would be useful if you left me alive beyond just giving you these coordinates. This uh, Romulan you contacted, how do you get in touch with her? Oh, uh, Mindak contacted me and so did Stila. Contact you, you don't. Right. How? How? You never had their contact info. They would find you? Is that what they, you're saying? There's a frequency in which you can connect uh, channels to the liquidator. It's like a special calm frequency. It's uh, Think of it like, like an emergency tone or something. You would send out and it kind of gives you exclusive access uh, and an encrypted channel to connect with uh, my ship. And they would know my frequency, so to speak. It's a good way for clients to be able to feel safe doing one-way calls. And uh, in case, you know, I was ever captured by very large, angry Klingons. And he glances around at all of you very slowly. It's kind of- So you're useless without your ship, is what you're saying? No, I'm saying you are going nowhere unless I get connection to my ship. I do not understand why he has to make the call. Simply get the frequency from him, and we shall make the call to get this information. Um, or, or, you just agree to let me live, swear it on that precious Klingon honor, I'll make the call, you get the frequency, and you guys can maroon me somewhere. Everyone wins. Commander, we we don't. Oh, yes. 
walk over to my first officer, motion for everyone else to come over. Okay. I'll just stand over here. Bex, watch him. Okay. Commander, what say you? Should we try to trust this Ferengi for now? It's a bad practice to trust a Ferengi captain. In my experience. Ra'amyan Omek, do you have any thoughts on the matter? How do we know that this isn't a setup? If we go back to his ship, how do we know that Romulans won't be waiting for us? Just a quick clarification as GM, he's not proposing you guys go back to his ship just to connect with his ship, like call his ship. Um, can I do uh, an insight check based on what we've gathered or does it have to be sort of like, I have to like pay attention to him actively? No, if you, so you, are you asking if you can insight check to find out if this Ferengi is lying to you? Yeah, or if it all seems kind of tricky. Yeah, no, that is absolutely an excellent use of the insight check. Um, you could totally do that. 100%. Um, Great, I would like to do that. Okay, so then um, let me just pull up his stats real quick. Okay, uh, this is going to be a roll off. So <laughs> this is going to be good. <laughs> you are trying to find out if the Ferengi is lying. Good for you. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Ramyan, I'm going to have you roll insight. And I think this would be, uh, I think this would be a command, insight command. Difficulty? It's a roll off. So the difficulty oh. is at least one. And you're rolling against him. I'm going to spend a point of threat to gain an extra die. We're making him burn it early. Yep. All right, go ahead and make your rolls. Ooh, I rolled a critical hit. Tell me what you got. Two successes. Uh, <laughs> Unless threat assessment counts as a focus. You know, it might here just because you guys are literally trying to discover if he is trying to lead you into a trap based off the conversation you just had. So I, agree. I would say your your nose for danger and trying to find out if the Frankie is lying to you. I'll give that to you. In which case it is three successes. Okay, well, he rolled a two. So y'all had tied. He is going to lose. Um, you stare at him for a moment. Ramyan, and this Rangi is looking around the bridge, trying to keep eyes away from you. When he notices you're staring at him, he just goes, hey. <laughs> and keeps looking around the bridge. As you're staring at this Ferengi, you get two things out of it. Um, he is definitely more dangerous than he seems. And he doesn't appear to be lying to you. If you want to obtain information, you can spend any, oh, you do have one momentum here, so you can spend it if you want to grab any information. But I, I do have to warn you, you have to be very specific about what you're going to ask because this is an insight, it, obtain information check. 
I don't have any good questions to ask. Does anyone, okay. have, does anyone else have a question to suggest to use this or should we? Yeah, you don't it? have to burn it here at all. You can save it. But um, the, the, the principal piece of information that you take away from this is that you don't think he's lying. He seems nervous because he's trying to buy his way out of getting killed right now. So you get the impression that the, the deal he's offering or that he's asking for is probably solid. At least he thinks so. Um, I say, Commander, while we should not trust him, he is merely playing the fool to mask how conniving and dangerous he really is. I do not believe he is lying about this information being available on his ship. I do not believe it is any danger to us to contact it at least. At least to see where it takes us next. Then we will keep our guard up and see where the Ferengi leads us. But keep a close eye on him. Oh, I will. (laughs) All right. So the group breaks. You return over to the Ferengi who he sees you all approaching and just goes, "Ah, it's very warm in this ship. Have you noticed how warm it is on this ship? If you can't stand the heat, then get out of the Klingon ship. We're happy to escort you out. Oh, I point to the airlock. What's that? I point to the airlock. Yeah, you point back in the direction that you guys came, and he just goes, "Oh no, no, I, I'm, I prefer warmth to cold, personally." Uh, I'm gonna grab him by the face, like his little chin and cheeks, and say, and pull him right up to my face. Yep. Say, We're gonna trust you for now, but if you betray us, I take out a dick tuck. Okay. And I slide it across his cheek. Okay. Your best friend. His eyes. From the moment that you scream, we're going to trust you. The moment you scream that at him, his eyes are wide. (laughs) You hold him there and give the threat as you draw this dick talk. It doesn't break skin, but it is putting pressure on the side. And he just goes, okay. Understood. Good. And then I pat him hard on the cheek. (laughs) Slap him a couple of times. Well, I have a call to make then. Yes, uh, you'll work with Lieutenant Omek to make that call. Which one of you is Omek? Oh my, Kalis, it is I. Follow me. Uh, Omek, a word. Yes, Commander. I lean over to him and quietly say, use whatever tracking and encryption you can to find out whether or not the channel is secure to whoever he's contacting. Will do, Commander. Okay. You lead him over to the science station where you have comms control to your right. Your fingers reaching down, pressing the amber, yellow, red glowing insignias all over the touchscreen. You activate the comm unit this irritating Ferengi Sprague moves over and goes, uh, okay, um, here's the frequency and transmit it whenever you're ready. And he enters in a code. You see the numbers popping up on the screen. Now, if you want to try to tri- make sure that this is an encrypted call, 
You can do that. And I'm going to call for a roll. Another roll. So, Omek. Can I assist since I gave him a direct command? How would you? The, the command itself wouldn't be an assist, but if you want to assist, you can. I would just need to know how you're assisting. <laughs> Moral support. At the very least, it could be. What's that? The ship system to do it, so it's kind of ship assist at least. Oh, the ship is going to assist. Yeah, you're going to get to use the ship. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Omek, you're going to roll. This might actually be. Hmm. You know who could probably assist you here is Ramyan. Because uh, your con skill will come in handy here. So Ramyan, if you want to use, uh, if you want to use reason con, and uh, Omek, you can use. I'll let you use your reason science check on this. Now the Borku is going to use communications and I think security. It's going to be us. Yeah, communication security here. Actually, I'm kind of on the fence about this one. I might say, I'm going to say communications con. It's a little, it's a little, no, hold on. I'm, I'm so indecisive on this one. <laughs> hmm. Uh, yeah, communication security. Let's do communication security. Am I still going right. for con? Yeah. Okay. So difficulty of this, uh, difficulty of this will be three. So go ahead and make your rolls and tell me what you get. I got one success. All right. That's all you needed in order to activate the others. I got one success. So two, did we get one from the Borku? Three successes. Awesome. You guys just hit the target number. Omek. You begin to work your science magic on the frequency as you're checking and double checking to make sure that this frequency is in fact encrypted. Um, it is on an encrypted frequency from what you can gather. It looks like the frequency itself seems to be a code in order to be even able to trace it or know that this frequency is happening. Seeing that you basically use a Klingon encryption on it as well so that you can track to make sure that nobody's intercepting this message. Um, and chirp sound comes out of the computer, sending a message his way. It takes all of maybe, maybe about 10 minutes before you receive an indication of a reply across subspace relay. And you see that a hailing, that the hailing frequency has been opened on the other end of the channel. Commander, I've been able to follow the encryption and it, it traces back. I need you here. I need you can bring them up on screen if you want, Commander. It's up to you. Yes, on screen. Okay, Ramyan just reaches over and taps a button on the con and just on the screen, you see a Ferengi sitting very proudly in the center chair of his brand newly reacquired starship, the Decora class Ferengi cruiser Liquidator. This demon, this demon looks remarkably like like uh, 
like the cling, like the Ferengi in your captive, Scrag. This one, however, you recognize from the Ferengi you saw in Risa, named Sprack. And the shit-eating grin on this Ferengi's face as he sees his brother surrounded by very angry-looking Klingons is one for the ages. And he leans in and goes, I predicted this is what I was going to see when the screen went live. You're still alive, I see. They haven't killed you yet? Why, that's unusual. Maybe you're not worth the mess your blood would make on their deck plates, in which case I can sympathize. <laughs> the Frankie on your bridge just... <sighs> Hi, brother. It's been a while. Um, you look great sitting in the chair. It was meant for you. <laughs> I'm glad, um, glad you found everything in good condition, just like I left uh, for you. Um, I, uh, good to see you. It's good to see you. The Fringy on the other end of the channel responds, go ahead and make your play. What's the deal? What do you want? If you want to grovel, we can start there. I'm down for that. Does everybody else want to see the former Captain Grovel? You hear in the background a mixture of Ferengis going, yes, kind of like these murmurings of like people who are not nearly as enthusiastic as uh, Sprack is. He just kind of goes, eh, they're tired. All right, what do you want? Um, well, you didn't wipe the computers or anything when you took back the liquidator, did you? Of course not. That's uh, valuable information. <laughs> I uh, pretty much have every single contact that you were using, and they're now part of my business network. Thank you for that, by the way. It couldn't have worked out better if I had given this to you as a loan and then taken it back. But since you owe me interest on that, actually, you know, that does remind me. No, no, no. We'll get into that another time. Why are you asking? Uh, well, you see, um, there's this Romulan. <laughs> Romulan? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a Romulan. And uh, he's, uh, we were doing the, is this about the Trillium D deposits and the... The Ferengi on the channel freezes suddenly and you see his eyes. You can tell he's going to work like he's figuring something out and he goes, Wait a minute. Romulan. Trillium D. This has something to do with that cloaked Romulan vessel that can fire under cloak, doesn't it? What? Does this have something to do with Admiral Mindak? How could you know about that? Because I just spent a lot of time among people that are really not happy with him and are looking for him. Who? Nope. That's information. You'd have to pay for that. Uh, your Klingon hosts are welcome to buy the information from me if they want to know more. Uh, How much information is your brother's life worth? Oh, I would pay you to kill him in front of me right now. I look at that. 
Um, <laughs> you see Scrag just go, <laughs> it's a Ferengi joke. We joke like that all the time. We go way back. He's not being serious. <laughs> He's not being serious. Um, so, uh, brother, uh, how about this? How about you give the Klingons all the information that they ask for, and in return, I give you what's not on the computer databases. Sprack leans back in the chair. That's a pretty desperate hand. Can you even prove that you have information that isn't on this database? It would be worth a damn? Um, yes, yes I can. Go on. Well, um, I'd have to show you. I can prove it. I can prove it. Do you remember the, um, um, the Fringy looks at everybody surrounding him for a second and goes, Do you remember that thing we did with the Dominion, that I did with the Dominion a while ago? <laughs> you realize everyone can hear you no matter what you're saying. If I can hear you, every Klingon on that ship can hear you. Yes. Yes. Um, there was a, a, a deal with a, a representative of the Dominion that I was involved with uh, rather recently, and um, you may have told me a thing or two that might be beneficial specifically to your trading practices should you ever wander closer to the wormhole. For example, you might be granted access to the Delta Quadrant. Just thinking about that. Sprack on the other end of the channel kind of says, all right, all right. All right, so you're going to be the representative. Wait a minute, so you're telling me I've got to come get you and you're my card to making a trade connection with the Dominion? Yeah, yeah. And in return though, you have to tell these Klingons everything they want to know. Well, Commander, what do you think about that? I, uh, I look over at my first officer and kind of want to ascertain if I get a nod from her. His life is useless unless we get something out of him. I turn what back I to the screen. I think you've made yourself a deal, Ferengi. All right. In that case, I'll send you coordinates. You can maroon my brother there, and I'll come pick him up. But and first, how do we get the information? Well, I've done deals with Klingons before, so if you give me your word, I'll give you the information. You have our word. You're not House Duras, are you? 
<laughs> okay. Good. Um, <clears throat> what would you like to know? I can tell you just about everything you might want to know. I hear things, you know. Well, first, who are the people who are also looking for Mindek? They're a Federation crew of Starship uh, USS Ross. Oh. Currently, they were the ones that actually helped you capture that one right there. Right. We already knew that. Mm hmm. So, where is Mindak? Do you have coordinates? Do you have a channel that, you've, that the ship has communicated with him on? From what I understand, my brother here had that information. And I can transmit it to you through the computer now. And just take me a few moments to find it. Let us not forget the coordinates of this processing plant. Processing plant? What processing plant? Uh, there's a processing plant in the things that you're about to send the Klingons. Well, oh, fine. Processing plant, whatever. All right, information's away. Omek, you're looking at the data stream. You see it is transmitting in the clear, no interception. Doesn't look like anybody's listening in from what you can tell. Uh, the data begins to feed into the main computer and you begin to see it come up. You do see a uh, system just inside the boundaries of the Shackleton Expanse near, it's closer to the sort of the, the northern part. It's, it's closer, I would say it's to the galactic north of Starbase 123, which is to the galactic east of Narendra Station. It's closer to the Shackleton Expanse and the Romulan Star Empire. It's actually out sort of like around the borders of the Shackleton Expanse itself. Um, and it looks like a remote system with nothing particularly interesting about it. In fact, it is a system that apparently only has a single planet orbiting a single star. And it is currently uncharted. So as it pops up on your screen, you see this designation uh, appear. This is technically considered this. Uh, the system is system 0199087 in the Shackleton Expanse. <laughs> hasn't been yet, hasn't been explored. It's been it's been scanned on deep space sensors. Okay. No one's actually ever been there before. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah. So there's no way that I could see if there's any kind of life form or whatsoever. Not from all the way out here. No. Okay. You are well, well without a range. You guys are going to have to get some travel time in. And while this, uh, while this transfer is going on, I, am I able to, or maybe Ramyan able to kind of hack into their database, into um, Spac's uh, database? Not from all the way out here. No. No. You wouldn't be able to gain access to their computers. Unfortunately, yeah. Sprat, is there anything else you know about our Romulan friends? Just that uh, Mindak is apparently searching for somebody named Wellix. Who is Wellix? Um, he's a doctor, I guess. He's um, a trill, I think. He was on board the USS Ross. Seems rather obsessed with him. I don't know why everybody was so worried about it, but um, apparently Mindek's singular goal is finding this Dr. Wellix on the USS Ross. If you're looking for Mindek, my guess is, is wherever you find the Ross, you're probably going to find Mindek. 
Uh, assuming he's not cloaked, of course. And do you know anything of Sila? Sila? <laughs> yes, I know about Sila. <laughs> uh, did you want to know something about Sila? Her whereabouts or any pertinent... Whereabouts? <laughs> She's... From what I understand, Sila is one of the highest ranking members, if not the leader of the Tal Shiar. It would be impossible to find out where she is. I have no idea. Only that, uh, according to the records, that she took over doing business deals with my brother here. You lied to me, Ferengi. You said it was in your information. What? I didn't lie. I didn't lie. What, what did I lie? What did I say? Your brother just said he has no information. He's reading your information. Ipso facto, you lied. No, no, so. no. He doesn't have any information about Sheila. He's telling you everything you want to know about Mindak. Nobody knows anything about Sheila. She's blonde. That's all I know. All right. Any other questions for dear Sprack here? Why do you not love your brother? What, what was that? Why, why do you not love your brother? Why are you so willing to watch him get killed right in front of you? There's uh, no other than that. That's easy because he betrayed me, marooned me, and stole my vessel. Checks out. A lack of honor. That's the word. Your family's disarray. Ferengi culture works a little differently than Klingon culture, but if you want to know a little bit of a secret, and don't take this as an offense, because outside the thing, the whole thing with honor that y'all have, we have our principles when it comes to family and trade. And frankly, this one here violated them. He worked outside the rules of acquisition. He worked outside the Ferengi Commerce Authority. Let me just say that while there are certain rules you can bend and sometimes even break piracy is very harmful to business well thank you sprack and i trust your ears are doing well now after that light massage i gave you earlier sorry what i hope your ears are doing well after that light massage i gave you earlier on rice up Yes, that, that was very nice, <clears throat> Dave. Just good times. So where, where, where shall we drop off your brother? Oh, uh, pretty much anywhere you want. Uh, I don't know where you currently are located, but if you want to just find some place that's convenient and give me the coordinates, I'll happily come snatch him up. Omek, perhaps there is a frozen Arctic planet we can drop him off at since he was complaining of the heat yeah. aboard the Borku. Uh, I could definitely look into that, Ramyam, right now. <laughs> she is soon, brother. And the transmission ends. And... Gag just goes... (sighs) 
Well, all the information. You now have it. Um. Okay, so I guess we'll wrap up that scene because it looks like you guys don't have anything else for this poor Ferengi. <laughs> okay, so what you gather from the information that you received from the liquidator. Uh, first of all, the liquidator is multiple sectors away. So wherever you're going to leave, be leaving uh, poor Skag, he's going to have to camp there for a couple of days probably. <laughs> um, the other thing that you learn from this transmission is that there is indeed the, this base, the location of this base is indeed on the inner borders of the Shackleton Expanse, the galactic north of Narendra Station. It is well outside of where you've been ordered to be stationed. However, you also did receive orders to uncover any Romulan presence outside of Romulan territory and investigate it immediately. You just did. So if you're looking for an excuse to violate orders right now, Commander, you kind of just got them dropped in your lap. If there's anything to be believed from the information that you've just received, the Romulans have what looks like a storage and processing center all the way out on the edges of the Shackleton and Federation territory, which is well beyond the boundaries of the Romulan Star Empire. It's a very curious place to do business and to be processing this. You wouldn't be able to refine this and refit a ship out here. So it might have been by necessity, or it might have just been a really good, well-hidden spot. But it's yours to go to whenever you like. All right. Well, once Omek has a planet for us to leave Skagon, I'd like to also supply him with a few days rations. <laughs> okay. A tent, That's an easy cutscene. A heating source. We don't want, you know, There's we want a, to follow through yeah. on our side of the deal. So the next scene then is a brief, like, if you can imagine if this was an episode of Star Trek, a smash cut to a blasting blizzard-like planet. <laughs> just like snow and ice and sleet just like falling everywhere. Then a red energy glow beginning to appear in the middle of it. And as it parts, a Ferengi in an environmental suit with a coat on just appears in the middle of it and runs for, the, like, picks up a sack and shuffles over to the nearest rock face that he can see for shelter and just hunker down. And in his native tongue begins screaming expletives up at the sky where out well beyond his vision in orbit, a Klingon cavort class bird of prey jumps to warp. <laughs> it's about a week's worth of travel. So as y'all are headed to the edges of the Shackleton expanse, my first question is, are there any scenes that you guys want to have? Because a week's worth of travel, there's a lot of time to interact. So. Uh, first, I, I would like to say I'd like for us to be traveling at warp. Uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> cloaked while okay. traveling at warp. That's easy. Yeah, no problemo. Okay, so under cloak, y'all are racing through the stars at warp seven. Um, I want to take a minute to uh, talk to Omek about you know just being different. Okay, then we'll do this in the next time. 
So maybe off-duty hours in the Mets Hall, um, which is literally a hall and one of the decks of the Bird of Prey. You, when you walk in, you can see all all throughout this hall. It's very it's very similar. The Klingons are very good at building like their living spaces, their communal places on ships to make them feel a little bit more like home. The only thing this place does not have is a burning fireplace. But Kotar, as you step into the room, a bunch of the Becks that see you enter nod respectfully. And uh, your typical place at the table is always kept open for you, unless somebody wants to be a fool and try to challenge you. Right now, your space is completely open. And sitting across from it is Omek, who has a bowl of gach and the commander's favorite, some rokech blood pie laying off to the side. Um, drinks are being passed about. There's murmured conversation. It's kind of hushed in here because this is after your duty shift. So lots of murmuring. As you move over to that side of the table and, and take position, this isn't like you know a federation mess hall where there's individual tables that can seat like five or six people at a time. These are like picnic tables that just these like grand, I should say like dining hall tables, like a Viking longhouse tables that go all the way down this, this drinking and like dining hall. Um, you take your seat just as a few becks begin to punch each other and throw each other across a table in a fight that's happening behind you, which is kind of par for the course around here. Somebody probably took food off the table that wasn't theirs. New Omek, look up from your gawk just in time to see Kotar take a seat right in front of you. This hulking Klingon, just mountainous creature, just takes its seat and leans on the table. What's up, Omek? You're weird. Talk to me. <laughs> I find humor in that, and I smack him with the back of my hand. I find humor in that. I find humor in that. The the absurdity of it, (laughs) just like you hear a couple of Klingons that witness this begin to laugh and raise their mugs as they watch this happen. I'm not going to slap you back because I remember last time it took you a long time to heal. But on a slightly more serious note, uh, how was being raised in the forest with like targs and things of that nature? I don't know a lot about you, man. I'm trying to find out. I also have an odd upbringing, so, you know. Yes, I wasn't going to point that out without making you feel weird. But (laughs) since you've made me feel weird, uh, I'm learning to understand people. I've lived the life of solitude and, you know, learning certain ways. You know what bothered me was when we were talking to that Ferengi and his lack of honor towards his brother, which I felt just, it angered me so much. I I wanted to grab his ear and bite it off. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) That seems very brand for cling on it makes sense but being uh angered by the lack of honor in ferengi is just like being angry for there being stars in space it is what it is you move on you grow past it uh you are a very good hunter but you don't like violence this is odd for me i have spent a lot of my time meditating and i could pick myself a more calm and reserved cling on the most 
but you are even more so than me. Why? Well, a lot of people don't know this, but my older brother was killed. He was killed by a female Klingon, a younger Klingon. And my brother was known for his battle left skills and got quite cocky when this younger female Klingon challenged him to a duel. This caused great dishonor on my house and my father. My father actually, I don't know where my father is. He, he left, he left then, which is why I chose a life of solitude because people in my town have shamed me and said that my father and my brother lacked honor for my father leaving and abandoning me, I felt that violence wasn't the way. But seeing how you operate and how you get things done, I am I admire your way. And I, I myself want to learn how to possibly tap into that primal Klingon, even though you are half Vulcan. Yeah, uh, I've been in many a scuffle in my day of over these years. And um, the funny thing I've always thought is that uh, I'm twice as angry as most, and yet I act half as angry as every Klingon I've ever met. <laughs> uh, it's quite ironic, you know? That's why I really want to have this conversation with you. It's quite odd. Um, well, I say we go to the holodeck and maybe we uh, teach one another. I, I can show you my ways and how I handle a, a bad left, a dick talk as well, and possibly uh we can exchange and make an exchange somehow no other way to converse than through blades my friend i can also uh you know i think the best way uh, to control i forgot where i was going with this <laughs> uh, what i was trying to say was uh one who is controlled by the river is a fool I may walk it, but I do not let it control my path. Uh, being Havoken is quite boring sometimes, honestly. My mom always made me do meditations. It's fucking stupid. But let's go to the hollow deck. <laughs> let's go to the hollow deck. I'll show you the fun stuff. There is a single hollow deck on this Klingon ship. Now, Klingons have only just recently started indulging in the addition to hollow technology on their vessels. And particularly, it is solely for the inclusion of all of the fantastic opportunities that they present for warriors to hone their skills. So the programs that are available on the holodeck are all battle simulations or reenactments or even on occasion, the few pleasure programs are Klingon opera. Um, but for the most part, the programs that are available on this thing are all drills, uh, competitions, and uh, a few, a few like spiritual programs for people who want to go meditate in the cave in front of a fire and hope to God Kalos appears. Um, for the most part, it's easy to wander onto the holodeck. When you wander up to the doors, one of the things that you notice too is, is that a lot of the crew of the Borku is still getting, still trying to get used to the idea of using one of these things. Klingons are very traditional and like to train with each other. And not everyone on board the ship has bought into the idea of fighting a bunch of holograms. 
is kind of their attitude towards it. But as the door opens, the holodeck is unoccupied. Two of you make your way in. What program would you like to load? What would you like to do? <laughs> the options. Kotar, it's up to you. Is there an options shit? Is there an options menu? Uh, <laughs> You're like scrolling. Damn it. Which one? Um, what do you, are you just trying to load like a training program for the two of you or like a... Uh, uh, just a step above, you know, maybe a, um, a little bit underneath something super hectic, you know, but okay. a little challenge to it. Okay. So here's my question. Do you guys literally want to play this out by throwing some dice or do you want this to be a more narrative scene where the two of you just run through and get to know each other a little bit? The latter one. The latter one. Okay, cool. So then you load up a program where it's this alleyway somewhere on Konos. And as the two of you take up your bat lefts and move into this alleyway, multiple attackers begin to rush you from the dark shadows of this alleyway. You see a couple of Klingons with dick talks. One of them has a batlet, and the two of you standing back to back begin to defend yourselves. Now the safety protocols are in effect. However, you can still look forward to slices, cuts, broken bones, and abrasions all over your body if these guys land hits. Over the course of the next 30 minutes, the two of you basically work your bodies to complete exhaustion from nonstop attacks. But one thing I will tell you that you notice, Kotar, is this scientist who seems to sort of struggle to fit in with other Klingons. This scientist that has a more of an intellectual pursuit, who's more interested in how the universe works. The thing you notice about him, he knows how to handle a batleth really, really well. Well enough that you're not entirely sure who would win if the two of you win at it, which is considerable as you've been training most of your life one of these things. But you notice that Omek handles a batlet with a certain grace and precision that you don't see in a lot of Klingons. More Klingons usually rely on their strength more than anything else. This is obviously a Klingon that has really taken the philosophy of Mokbara to heart. And as he swings this batleth around, he manages to remain largely unscathed. However, you can tell from the hits that Omek takes that he's not the type of Klingon that can take the punishment that you can take. But very few Klingons are. The two of you battle for a good half hour before the program finally comes to an end and you were both exhausted, beyond the point of exhausted cuts and abrasions, dark purple bruises beginning to swell up underneath the skin. Um, there's a couple of cuts across the side of your face where a dick-talk dagger actually grazed you a few times. There's about 12 bodies on the ground surrounding the, the lot of you. Kotar, are you sure this was the highest level on this holodeck? I don't know. It's new. Gavin just added it. The one out. Okay. Here's, here's some truth time. You told me about your uh, your father. Um, as you can assume, not many um, Klingon ships would like uh, what is perceived to be a Romulan aboard their ship. So the first ship I was ever 
uh, working upon was a Vulcan uh, mer- not merchant. We were bandits. Okay, I'm going to keep it funky with you. It's truth time. We were bandits, and it was pretty up to date, and they had a new one. So I don't know what's going on with this. I didn't build it. You know, just giving you what it is. Um, so who knows? I got a good workout in. I got at least five bruises, and that hasn't happened to me in a long time. <laughs> I say we go to Edodge and see if she can maybe heal us up with her medical expertise. Yeah, has she, has she healed anyone? She, she is very scary. <laughs> yes, I've never seen, I've seen her fight, but I haven't seen her actually heal anyone. I haven't seen it happen one time. Odd. I respect it. You know, there is blood to be shed whenever she's around, which is a great time. But yeah, let's, why not? Let's go see what they're doing. Adaj, when you're answering the door to your quarters, you see these two standing in front of you and they look beaten to hell. Wow, that's messy. Do you wanna come in or should we go to the med bay? There's already some blood on the ground in here anyway. I had a rough night last night. See, see. What <laughs> to tell you? That was more fun blood than messy pain blood. So I don't even want to know. Let's go to the mess. Yeah, I hate to mix up my blood with the fun blood. So <laughs> All right. So moments later, you both find yourself in a, this med bay is typically pretty vacant. I mean, not a lot of Klingons like to come down here, not only because, yeah, maybe a, a dodge kind of spooks them a little bit, but also they kind of just Klingons are notorious for not taking care of their injuries. Um, the two of you taking a seat, it doesn't take long, but it dodge actually why don't for funsies because we don't get a chance to do this very often with you, dodge. But why don't we have you make a medicine check? Yes, yes. I have my diet and waiting. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do, let's do a control medicine check. And heal you. This will be a this will be a chance to build some momentum. So I'll set the difficulty at one. Oh, I got a two. So that's um, two successes. Okay. And. <laughs> And a 19, so... Oh, you're fine. I didn't spend any threat to raise the complication range here, all right. Okay. So go ahead, and you got two successes. Difficulty was one, so go ahead and gain a momentum, everybody. It doesn't take long using dermal regenerators and your medical equipment to heal these two. Um, pains in joints, the scrapes, the, scrapes the, the cuts, the bruising, it all begins to regenerate right before your very eyes. It takes about 10 minutes, and when she's done, you guys still have sore bodies from the workout, and it certainly feels like you've been hit a bunch of times, but you're pretty good. Can I pop a socket back into place? I've always wanted to do that. Sure. All right, Kotar, come here. Yeah. Let's, let's, I'm going to do this. Hold on. I'm going to say evens. It's Omec, odd. It's Kotar. Oh. Okay, so it's Omec. Ah! <laughs> Omec. You know that, that, that pain in your left shoulder hasn't quite gone away. Ah, and before you can ask her about it, she grabs your wrist 
and slams her leg into your side and pulls your arm. All five feet of this this Klingon jerks that arm right into the back into the socket. It's crack. Not a very healthy or medical way to do it. However, it's done. How does that feel? Like I need a drink. Oh, by all means. Uh, I also wanted a scene too where I made blood pie for the senior crew. Uh, okay. I want us to have like a family meal together. All right. Then we'll say a few days later, the mess hall is empty right now as it's late, well after the uh, first shift. One by one, a lot of you, you don't necessarily know why you're gathering in the mess hall. Commander, you might have an inclination as to what your second officer is doing. And you're not entirely sure, but as the lot of you kind of stand there, everyone's showing up one by one, the blank expressions on your faces indicating that no one really knows why she called everybody down here. Moments later, these heavy doors slide open. Go ahead and describe what you walk in holding a blood pie. Is that right, Adaj? Uh, yeah, I have a candelabra in one hand. Uh, okay. And I also have a very large meat pie in the other. And I'm wearing um, an apron that's splattered with blood as well. Okay. It's like a thick leather apron that's kind of hanging off your, your, your neck. All right. And I made dinner for us. <laughs> I see the blood pie and my eyes light up and I just like throw my head back and I make a beeline over for the pie and I'm like this is my first officer this is my first officer <laughs> deliriously happy yes and I uh, take my, my tray of blood pie and I kind of frisbee it onto the table from where I'm standing <laughs> Clatters onto the table, just slides towards the, one of the edges, doesn't tip over the side. Yeah, uh, and then I take the candelabra and I stick it right next to it. And okay. I say, uh, let me just take off my apron. I was just in the <laughs> uh, medical study. Right. This is the one. Then I kind of remove that one and hang it up elsewhere. And I tell everyone, come gather, gather. And okay. I. I take their hands and we're all all right. holding hands. Okay. D- uh, d- you have control of this one. So are you guys hold? you guys are all holding hands with the Dodge mm-hmm. and each other. And what I do you say, do? I say, I killed this fresh animal so that we could share of its blood and its life to give us the vigor as we head into battle. I added some of my own lifeblood in there to invigorate you and nourish you with my own essence. I hope you can partake in this gift of myself that I give to you. (laughs) And we're even closer for a big group hug. (laughs) (laughs) Lieutenant Ryek. (laughs) She... This 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 elderly Klingon woman, she glances down at the pie and she says, you put you in the pie? Yes, it's very tight as Andromachus, but I did put a little bit of uh, my spirit and heart 
inside of the pie. Not real hard, though. She says, mm, mm, nods that sort of like awkward Klingon nod of like, okay, kind of just like, mm, and it's tasty. <laughs> All right. So one by one, you guys get slices of this Rokek blood pie. This, this, that Adaj has made for everybody. Um, a few moments later, everyone's enjoying this dinner at the table. Delicious. I would not have guessed that perhaps if you were not serving as first officer or as ship surgeon, perhaps you would be in command of our galley. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is the only thing I do well. My mother taught me how to make this. I would be happy to share the recipe for, uh, she has passed, but, uh, you know, her spirit lives on. Did she place herself in her pie as well? I'm sorry? Did she place herself in her pie as well? Yes. She always said the secret ingredient was love. And blood. When that I think back to my childhood, <laughs> when I think back to my childhood, every single time my mother made me this pie, I could see the cuts on her arms and it just reminded me of how much she believed in me. To support the bloodline as the only daughter. So there is actually, your blood is actually in this. That that wasn't a metaphor. I'm still a little confused about that part. No, no metaphor. Okay. All right. So is this the fun blood you were talking about the other day? (laughs) Different. All right. Yes. So I hope you all enjoy this gift from me. I expect gifts from you in the coming weeks. Not wanting to insult you, Riek takes this. She looks over at Omek and she looks over at at uh, Kotar and takes a fork full of this blood pie and just says, "Hmm, it's very good." Riek, I knew you'd love it. <laughs> Big hug. <laughs> you squeeze her and she's looking at the two of you while this little Klingon is just crushing her and she just chews very slowly. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's her, I'm sure, but you can hear clanging from her tools hitting against all the blades inside of our clothes as well. Right. Okay. Um, I I actually reach for a second slice of the blood pie and I say this is I've had so much blood pie, and this is one of my favorites. Uh, You know, we eat hearts. We eat the hearts of our enemies in battle. It is not typical for us to eat, you know, the blood of our comrades, but I think that is a valuable tradition that your family has, and I am proud to partake in it. Riek slowly lowers the fork from her mouth as you say this, Captain and uh, Commander, and she just says, you eat the hearts from your enemies? Riek, you know this. In times of desperation, our foremothers and forefathers would eat the hearts of their enemies. Yes. Rarely, but yes. (laughs) It is Klingon tradition. Mm. Maybe a lost tradition, but still. 
she sets the fork down and just goes, hmm. I haven't found an enemy that is worth eating yet. Oh, Riek, I hope you do. I hope you do. Hmm. Would any uh, one care for uh, Rock Gino to go with this yes, wonderful? I'll, I'll take Rock Gino. He react raises her arm. By the way, for those of you who are listening to this exchange, what Bamir is saying is true. It is an old Klingon tradition for sure, and uh, you get the impression from Riek as she is responding to this that she probably is not partaking of this tradition. From the sounds of it, she sounds a little kind of thrown by the idea. But when you mention the Ractuccino, she just goes, yes, yes, I'll have a Ractuccino. Perhaps we can modernize it for you, Riek. The next ship that we destroy in victory, perhaps we shall take a shard of their warp core and smelt it down and forge it to our own. If we're making requests, uh, can we get some brandy or a pork tar or two? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm luckily because I'm half oak and I can still get drunk. It just takes a whole lot. So oh, a whole lot. Uh, if uh, anybody would be so kind, I don't want to drink all the blood wine, Captain, because I remember what happened last time. So. <laughs> Yes, let's turn this into one last party before we go into glorious battle. Yes. Are we expecting a fight? Is there something I don't know? React looks at everybody. When yeah, he's down in engineering, nobody tells him. aren't we? What? <laughs> exactly. We are always expecting a fight. React, what has gotten into you? I smack her upside the head. You Why hit her. Like this? I'm going to bed. She stands up. He says, you're all too young for me. Going into battle every day. Give me a break. She clatters her plate onto the table and just leaves the mess hall. Stomps out angrily, huffing on her way. The door goes closing behind her. What has gotten into her? I suppose great auntie is tired from her weary years. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what her blood is like. <laughs> Dry. <laughs> Tired. Uh, well, I take a bottle on the table and smash the top off and start drinking from whatever's remaining. Okay. So finishing off some of the beverages, you guys basically spend the rest of the night eating blood pie and commiserating and sort of bonding. This is really the first opportunity that a lot of you have had to actually talk to each other in a personal environment, which would suggest that Adage's gambit was, uh, it paid off. She got everybody to sit at a table. Well, most everybody. Riek basically went back to her quarters. <laughs> um, but a lot of you enjoy each other's company until the wee hours of the night before you all end up going to sleep. And about a couple of days later is when you are all coming out of warp. <sighs> on the edges of this system. Assuming your place on the bridge, Captain, uh, we'll start by telling Science Station, Omec, go ahead and uh, since it's like standard issue, what we're going to do is we're going to have you roll uh, Sensors, uh, this is going to be, for whoever wants to roll for the ship, it's going to be a sensor science roll. 
And for you, Omek, it's going to be reason science, and the difficulty is zero. So whatever successes y'all get are going to go straight to... Uh, yeah, if, if you want to roll for the ship, Elisa, sure. and then you got two successes, Omek? Two successes, Omek. Okay, what did... What did uh, Ooh, I got a crit. Okay. So As in, like, a, a crit. A, okay, so, so yeah, all right. So, one, two, and you got two. So, four successes total. So, this is a new scene, so you would have lost that momentum from the last scene. So, you should, I believe you guys should have a total of four momentum now, correct? Or is it five? If we lost those last two... Just a lot, yeah. That was difficulty zero, you said? Yeah. Then yes, four. Four momentum, okay, cool. All right, so here's what sensors tell you. And we'll say that you're relaying this information to the commander as I as I tell you, Omek. Um, it's a single star system, with a, it's a main sequence star. There is a single planet in system. There's not a single, there's no other celestial bodies in the system. No comets, no asteroids that you can see. Um, it's pretty barren. Fairly large system, though. Uh, this planet that orbits the star is about the same distance from the sun as uh, Earth is from. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Earth is from Mars. So it's kind of in the Goldilocks zone, but it is a Class K planet. It's about the size of Earth to give player reference. Um. Since there's only really one thing to scan, the scans that return are what you get, Omek, is that this place, it's a class K planet. You're not detecting any obvious signs of life, at least on this first initial sensor sweep. Um, what you do detect is that this planet is for even, I mean, it's pretty typical for a class K, but it's not hospitable. You can beam down there without if you choose without environmental suits and you will be fine but it let me give you an idea the temperatures down there are a nice warm 37 degrees celsius which for klingons perfect however the wind is blowing at 22 meters per second so the wind speeds are reaching up to about 40 miles per hour and they seem to be in a constant blow and from what you can tell from just the scan that's appearing on your computer on your computer screens omek this planet is it looks like it's in a constant storm pressure systems are constantly moving through the upper upper atmosphere not a whole lot of vegetation or plant life probably because there is a constant wind blowing however you do detect signs of technology on the planet and that's all that's what you got commander i'm getting signs of technology however uh it is unfit to land there. I don't know if you want to maybe send one person and... You can beam down there. It shouldn't be a problem. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, would you care for me to beam down there and maybe... Uh... I'll do it. <laughs> uh, perhaps we should take a party together rather than just a single person. <laughs> yes. Landing party. Okay. A few moments later, uh, why don't we, a few moments later, Helm, Ramyan puts the Borku in orbit of this planet. As you guys enter orbit, 
you see coordinates for what looks like a structure of some kind that is built into the surface of the planet. It's not entire. It's not large, but it looks like it might be large enough to house like shuttle crafts. So maybe a small hangar or some such, some kind of storage facility that's built at about ground level. Definitely not naturally occurring from what you can tell. Signs of power flowing through a lot of the walls and whatnot. There may have at some point been technology that was active down there. Sensors are telling you no life signs are being detected. Um, we are going to go to break as you all beam down to the planet. Oh, can I can I make sure that I bring my bit left if we are? You gonna bring a bat left with you? Yes. Okay. Yes. You can go ahead and bring a bat left. I'm going to award myself one threat as you grab your bat left. <laughs> Does that so, mean I can bring my bat left? You go yes, I'm going to award myself two threat as you uh, grab your bat left. <laughs> and the red glow of the transporter pad as you order the beam down, Commander. And when we come back, we will start this second half of Blood of the Void off on this Class K planet. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you in just a minute. Welcome back to Blood of the Void. We're starting back where we left off, beaming down onto this alien planet in, on the edge of the Shackleton Expanse to the galactic north of Narendra Station, which is familiar territory to many of us. But where you stand right now, the moment you all beam down there, it's very clear you are far, far from home. Your hair begins to immediately whip about your face as these blasting winds push on your bodies. The moment you beam into the, the atmosphere of this planet, the moment you step foot on this planet, the, <clears throat> the winds are just punishing. It's not enough to, I would say it's probably not enough to, uh, what is going on with you, Philip? <laughs> are you having an earthquake? <laughs> what, is that, you're muted, what was that? Oh, it's, just, it's, really, it's really windy. Oh. <laughs> so, um, this wind is just blasting you in the face. Um, the moment that you the moment you begin to feel the atmosphere of this planet, the, the, even at this, even at the wind speed that you're at right now, the wind is hot. It would be a comfortable temperature if it weren't for this the the high punishing speeds of the wind itself. Not too far away from you, though, um, under the ghostly glow of the dust that is gathered up into the sky and that blows all around you, whistling and roaring, you see what looks like a small structure that is built almost kind of like, like it slants into the ground itself. Probably about a story tall made of what looks like aged metal that's probably been punished by the wind since it's been constructed here. But it looks like it, an underground complex of some kind. And this opening area is the entry port. <clears throat> uh, is there anything nearby that we can like hide under, like rocks or boulders? No. Or? In fact, this looks like a flat lake bed. It looks like it is just all around you, for it not for the, the blowing dirt that is constant, just constant. It looks like y'all have beamed down into the middle of just a flatland. There is no cover at all. If the wind wasn't blowing, you could probably see for kilometers or kilocams as it were. Is there um, a lot of dust blowing around? Like, is there high visibility or is it low visibility? Low visibility. There is a trait here in the scene because of the high wind, visibility is at a plus one difficulty. 
So it's very difficult to see. You also are getting a stealth bonus though, if you're trying to creep up on somebody on the outside, unless they're scanning for life forms. But uh, on the outside right now, it's difficult to see and it is difficult to move against the wind. How far away from the structure are we? You're about uh, about 60 meters. Uh, Commander, might I suggest that we uh, spread out so as to not, you know, if we get ambushed, we can avoid ambush and maybe possibly. Uh... Well, I don't think they can ambush us because there's low visibility here, but um, it would be a good idea to spread out. Uh, I suggest that I go in closer um, unless can we do any sort of sensor check or is it too difficult to? Yeah, you can scan. Can I scan? Yeah. And by the way, just to give you guys a little atmosphere as to what you're dealing with, while you are talking to each other, you're having to shout. It's like screaming over the top of this wind so that you guys can hear each other, even when you're up close. Did anybody bring any goggles? <laughs> uh, are we not in our... I'm assuming that you all have face masks on, but because this wasn't explicitly requiring an environmental suit, I did not assume that you guys suited up. Uh, so. I suggest we all stand downwind of Kotar while <laughs> we do a um, Go ahead and make a check here. So, Omek, you're going to make a roll to see if you can pick up anything on the inside of this, uh, of this, this what looks like this building. Make a roll. This is going to be your reason science check, and the difficulty will be two. You're muted. I'm sorry. I got one success. One success? Okay. As you begin to scan, raising the device in front of you, the tricorder just kind of looks like it's really struggling to pick up anything on the inside, probably interference from just the atmosphere itself, but also you're having trouble kind of positioning any kind of life forms or, or devices on the inside of the complex itself. You're not getting a good indication as to what you're about to walk into. Commander, it's very difficult to pick up any signs of life whatsoever. These high winds seem to be preventing that from me picking anything up from these tricorders. Uh, I don't know if you would care for me to move closer so I can maybe report back to you. Did you notice any doors, any entryways? Vince? Yeah, there's an entryway. There's a there? single entryway, yeah. All right. Uh, I suggest I get closer by myself and try and ascertain the situation and report back to you since I'm small and stealthy. Uh, yeah, let's all get closer, but uh, Idaj can uh, take the, the forward position and uh, but let's let's all approach that entryway and then uh, Omek maybe do another scan as we get closer just to see if anything's different but i i imagine it might be the same results until we get inside because there might be some type of transmission blocking jamming signal thing going on gm can you tell us probably not is there any likelihood that there are other doors uh <laughs> Time for if you want to spend momentum for obtain information, I can make that part. Oh wait, no, you failed your roll. Um, there's no way at, from right now. There's no, there's no obvious way of discerning whether or not there's any other entry ports. Okay. 
All right, so I think we're all um, about 20 meters away now. Okay, so you're moving forward. All right. <clears throat> you reach about 20 meters away. Um, it definitely looks like the, this place has been here for some time. Not necessarily ancient, but the, the metal is already showing a little bit of fatigue. There's no markers on the outside, and the door is quite visible from this point. You can see that it is, it is one of those doors, very much like the, the doors you have walking through the Klingon ship. Tech doors that just kind of open and close. They look sealed at the moment. Uh, I'm going to approach closer. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do somersaults and bear crawls and kind of crawl my way towards the door. Somersaulting proves to be somewhat challenging because the moment you start losing, the moment you, the moment you're further off the ground or putting less of your weight towards the center of gravity on the ground, you almost get blown over multiple times at Dodge as you're trying to move in a little bit closer. You guys watch a Dodge do what looks like a series of somersaults and crouches and, and then she kind of vanishes into a bit of the dust cloud. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm calling this the tumbleweed method where I just roll as much as I can closer <laughs> using the wind as it helps me or doesn't. Okay. When you reach the uh, you reach the door itself, what you can tell is there is a visible control panel on the left side that looks like it has been worn down. But what you can also tell at Dodge as you've reached this doorway is that from the looks of it, as the wind is whipping past you, it looks like that an attempt to conceal this door may have been made at some point because it looks like there was these grooves that had, you can see what rem the remains of what looked like bars that are kind of wedged into the top parts of these doorways. It looks like it probably had some kind of screen that pulled down perhaps manually, or maybe it had a blast shield of some kind that just fell down over the door to make it look like a single block of metal as opposed to a place you can actually enter. But for whatever happens, perhaps the weather or something else, this has been torn free and is no longer there. The door looks like it might be accessible if the control panel is used, but it does not respond as you approach. And do I see any cameras or any other technology around that could see No us? obvious signs of observation. You don't see anything that looks like some kind of security system that's watching you as you approach. So I think at the same time, I don't see any sentries or guards or anything else. It's relatively safe for the rest of the team to come closer. Yeah. All right. Uh, I get on comms and tell them that it's clear from here. You can hear Adaj shouting into the comms that she has been able to scout this place out and there's no one up here. When we get up to the door, I'm back! <laughs> I'm back! Hack into this goddamn thing so we can get out of this fucking wind! <laughs> huh? What? Hack into this so we can get out of the wind! Back in the wind. Oh, hold on. No! No! Hack into this so we can get out of the wind! It is bad for my skin! Why'd you say that the first time? Alright. Alright. So you're gonna try to hack this panel? Uh, Omek, I'm gonna need you to make a roll here. Got it. This so is gonna be... Hmm, this is gonna be a reason security check, so I don't know how solid Omek is at security. Hodar, don't you have infiltration skills? Yes, I do. <laughs> then if you wanna take points and get an assist from Omek, I will do that. As you try to wire this thing. I just didn't want to, you know, disrespect the tech officer. 
we're bonding. No, you need to help hack this control um, panel. I will accept engineering, by the way. Oh, oh my, I will accept an engineering skill, by the way, So as a discipline. So if you want to use engineering instead, that is totally doable here. Okay. Omek, so, what is your what is your security rating? Or I'm sorry, your engineering rating. My engineering is two, so what's a, I think we were better off going with Kotar. Okay. Yeah. My but engineering and my security are higher. My engineering is a three and my security is a five. Um, okay, so then I would say, go ahead and make a security check, but it's gonna be reason security. Tight, all right. Um, hold on one sec. I just want to check something real quick. Oh, he about to make it harder. God damn yep, it. Yep, I am. If it's reason security, I could do it. I, I got 11 and 11 for reason, uh, four for security. I just want to double check this. Oh, that's not bad. That's pretty good. Because I actually think engineering is going to be the way to do this now that I'm thinking about it. Ah, uh, but we left her on the shift. <laughs> yeah, this is an engineering check. You're trying to rig this thing. You're trying to, to hack into it. You, this would be a reason security check. Uh, we can also throw whatever momentum we can at this. Absolutely. Buy and some extra dice. But I also Kotar, you still have Kotar, you still have the highest engineering, correct? I think your engineering is three. Yes. So you can still take points on this. And if you want to buy like an extra die with some momentum and then you can have Omek assist. Can I do that? So Omek. For your assist roll, I'm gonna have you roll. This is gonna be a reason science check for you. That's how you're backing them up. Okay. And then I also have in the nick of time. Was this considered an extended task? No, this is just okay. a straight up roll. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So the difficulty of this is gonna be four. So it ain't gonna be easy. So how many dice? I'm sorry, Eliza. Oh, yeah, I was saying the same thing. How many dice are you going to buy? Yeah. Well, then it's one. It's one of momentum. Is, it, is everybody OK with me doing two? If it's a four difficulty? If yeah. it's two, then we need to use three momentum, right? That's correct. Three total momentum. But you'll get you'll be rolling. You'll be rolling four dice, though. So should I do that? Yeah, I think All so. Right. As long as everybody's down. So go ahead and make your roll too, Philip, and tell me what you get. And we only have one momentum left, correct? Correct. And then can, I can use that one momentum to roll two die? No, as an assist, you can only roll one die. You can't okay. spend momentum, unfortunately, yeah. First, first of all, <laughs> I got four successes and one was a one. So that's a critical, right? Yeah, that's a critical. <laughs> so how many total successes? I got four. And okay. I got a success. I got a nine. I got four successes and one was critical. So, so that's five. Five. That's why I'm asking, because a oh, critical is two successes. So five? Okay, and then Omek got one. So six successes on the four difficulties. You gain two momentum. So the first thing you notice when you pop open this panel and Omek begins to run a scan on it. Kotar, as you lean in and, and start activating the power to this panel, the first thing you notice is the panel itself is requiring a power source in order to open it. It takes no time at all with your engineering skill to be able to power this thing using a real low juice from the tricorder that you guys got. Easy. When this thing powers up, however, and the screen becomes visible, Romulan's script is clear as day in front of you. 
You can see the touch screen of Romulan script right in front of you, indicating that it is a security touchpad. And a few moments later, Kotar, you hear this very satisfying chirp-like sound amongst the wind and the door to your right goes but it doesn't fully open like it like it's not fully powered it's enough that it starts to sputter open and then stops all right like how hard is this going to be for me to pull this open not too hard then can i just pull it open you can try yeah can i try to pull it open Yes. I want to ready a disruptor just in case. And as I try to pull it open, I go, I still hacked it, even though it didn't open all the way. I just <laughs> you all saw me. <laughs> all right. So this is a fitness security check. Uh, and the difficulty is two to get the store open. So I'm just giving you more opportunity to build some momentum here. Can I assist? Yeah, absolutely. In which case, I would say it's also fitness security. Maybe someone else should assist. <laughs> How many successes do we need? Uh, difficulty is two. How strong two. are you, Omek? I could do it. I got a, a nine and a four. I got 13, so I could do I it. Could, yeah. Okay. I have the same stats for those two, 13, well, 10 and a three. Whoever wants to assist. I'll assist. Okay. So make your I roll. I clapping from the side. <laughs> oh my God. I got a fail. I got a 14. Okay. This game. Oh, Mac, how many? Okay, so Kotar, how many? How much did you roll? I got mine. How many successes did you get? Two. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> oh, Mac, you're having trouble budging your side of the door, but apparently it responds simultaneously to the other side. And it gives you the false impression that you're helping when you're not. Because Kotar just jerks this door open. You just hear this screeching of metal as these two large, thick slabs of steel just go Shing! And what little light is shining through the ghostly glow of the dust storm over your heads shines down into the darkness of this open doorway. You can tell immediately that there's no stairs going down or anything. It goes straight into this facility, but there's no power. It's completely dark inside. All right, see, all we had to do was just tap our inner Klingon, not your Vulcan, right? That's how we got this door open. See? What sense does that make, bro? First of all, my mom taught me about engineering so false, okay? <laughs> and that's what got the door open. <laughs> You're right about getting the door open. That wasn't my dad. That was a lot of Klingon for me to do that. But Vulcans are very strong, so maybe it was both sides. Okay. You know what, I'm not going to disagree with you. You're both equally strong, Omek and Kotar. Y'all are shouting this to each other over the wind right now outside this base. Let's get inside and find the lights. Yeah, let's get inside. Okay. Omek, can you run a scan now that we're inside, see if there's any life forms or power or anything? Yes, Commander. Eric, do our suits have lights on them? It's easy to act, say that you have a light on. You guys have lights on you. As an away team, I wouldn't. I, that's not something I make you spend momentum on. So, you activate the hand lights. Um, Omek, I'm gonna have you make a reason science check at a difficulty of zero. One success. Okay, so gain a momentum. Nice. You're not detecting any life forms in here, but you are detecting that this is a large facility. From the looks of it, 
It was probably, I would say it's a probably a like a medium size cargo facility, which by when I say large, it's spacious to you guys, probably used to store things. And so as it goes, this is this is easily a staging area of some kind or was. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to know any more, it's an obtain information check. Can I do an insight check using my sense of smell? Uh, yeah, it's this kind of a uh, like a biting sensation when you breathe in, and it's mostly because what you get is from the from the dust clouds and whatnot outside is probably accumulated a lot, even though the doors have been closed. This place from the inside does it has a sort of strange acrid scent to it. Can I be more specific in knowing what it is with my knowledge of medicine? Mm, not really, because it's not really related. I think I can maybe help by using my um, my studious uh, yes. talent and uh, seeing if there's traces of Trillium D. Okay, so read, t- remind everybody what your studious talent does. You're muted. <laughs> uh, whenever you spend one or more momentum to obtain information, you can ask one additional question uh, in total, but not per momentum spent on yeah. to obtain information. Yeah. So you basically get a free ask. So go ahead and spend one momentum. Okay. Everybody. You detect traces of Trillium D. Yes. Everywhere. You detect uh, uh, this place was probably a refinery, judging from the out the amount of trillium trace that you're picking up. It's not subtle. I knew I smelled something in the air. Should we ask when it was last used? Like how long ago it was? That because if no one's here now, maybe yeah. the last time someone was here. Is that something we want to ask? Well, we don't know that it's empty, right? We should do, we're gonna do a sensor check once we're inside to see if there's any light bulbs in here. I yeah, we did. No light. Yeah, we got that check then. No life signs. Uh, yeah, let's, can we ask that uh, with Studious, we can ask a question? Like how, yep, how recent, yeah, how far back was this last used? This, this place was probably cleared out no more than two or three weeks ago. Hmm. Let's go exploring. Can we yeah. split up more, like the Scooby gang? You want to split the party? What? If we're about to go search the facility, I feel like we should um, make it faster. Uh, <laughs> this is a horror movie, this is a horror movie so this logic makes sense. I'm is there any chance that there's leftover traps in here of any kind? Are you? What's that? Check for traps. Can we check for traps? I mean, if you want to do obtain information checks, because you've already scanned the facility. Because we could ascertain information more quickly if we split up, but also, like, I don't want us to get booby trapped somehow. Should we just spend one more, excuse me, one one, one more momentum to figure out if there's any remaining, at least intentional dangers? Yeah. Is there a way for me to scan or see if there is an old computer system or database system where we can maybe possibly hack into it to see who was here? Yes. That would be part, I would say that too would be an obtain information check. Let's do that. Okay. 
So that's your question. Is there a computer that's nearby or anything that you guys can access? Okay. You wave this tricorder in front of you again as the light is the only is the is the only way you're actually able to see where you're moving around inside this place. It's cavernous. You can hear the echoes of your footsteps as you're moving through this dark space. You can tell from both the scans and what your senses are telling you. This is like a small aircraft uh, hangar is the scale of what you're walking into. As you move forward, you begin to realize there's a slight decline as well. So it's like you're moving deeper into the ground as well. Pushing forward, running your tricorder over you, you do detect a small power source located in the facility. It's probably the thing that was able to open the door, but it appears that there is at least one computer that is functioning at the bare minimal power deeper in the facility, not far from here. There's also not a lot of winding turns or rooms or anything. This place looks like it was literally just a storage unit for large trace amounts of Trillium D for whoever was using it. It probably only took about a month to construct this place and was being used to just hide supplies. I'd like to maybe, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Commander. No, I'm just wondering out loud, why was it abandoned? Do you think this could have anything to do with the two different parties looking to obtain these things between both Sila and Mindak? My thought was that this was either Sila or Mindek's facility. So one of them abandoned it. Well, perhaps Unless we, we think this someone else's. Should we try and get the computer core and see if we can extract any data from it? Let's okay. go explore. Yeah, I think so. The place is eerie. And as you move deeper inside, it resembles more and more of just this silent tomb darkness every now and then you catch like motes of dust passing through the beams of the flashlight pressing further and further in you finally reach what must have been the main facility this place is large enough that you could probably park a couple of shuttlecraft in this place and it doesn't take much for the shining your light and the scans of your tricorder to indicate that this is probably where all the trillium was kept um Omek, you see what looks like uh, an alcove, a groove into the wall, which looks like it sort of has this half crescent shape. Perhaps it's some kind of like command station, but as you move closer to it, you can see the faintly glowing lights of a powered computer system. Immediately without, since you've been burning obtain information check, immediately Omek, when you move over to it and you scan down, you can see that it is of course Romulan unmade, but it looks like this computer was deliberately destroyed. It looks, you can see scorch marks across the top of it. You can see blast marks underneath where a lot of the mainframe was originally kept. It's possible though, that some of the power you're detecting has activated a, a, a portion of this computer console that was not destroyed. Would I be able to take this, whatever's salvageable and maybe take it with us onto the ship. You can certainly try, yes. You can make the attempt. Okay. Uh, to maybe figure out where this Trillium D is being transported. Yeah. Okay. Can I assist him with that in any way? Does it not matter? Yes. 
you could use your engineering. You could use your engineering again. He's going to be trying to use his science to get the information. The engineering would certainly help and an assist here if you're trying to like power the system once again, kind of like you did with the door when you were hacking it. Um, so why don't we make the same roll? The only difference is, <clears throat> just to map this out for y'all, you're trying to pull encrypted information off a dead computer, a Romulan computer, no less. So I'm going to set the difficulty for this at four again. I didn't understand that, but that's fine. <laughs> okay. I thought he was trying to take the, the drive from the thing. Well, so a lot of what you see when you basically pull this thing open and remove some of the, the covering to this console is a lot of the hardware itself has been critically damaged. So removing anything of it, you'll probably sever it from the power source and lose whatever's left. You can try pulling the information off and onto your tricorder, but it's tricky. It's going to take some finessing, and that's where the reason science and the, in the control engineering is going to come into play. So, reason science for you, Philip. Control engineering for you, Chris, if you want to assist. As Omec and Kotar once again huddle down next to this tech device. Kapla! <laughs> I have two successes. Okay, that's two. <laughs> oh, four. Oh. I got one success in a uh, a, a critical failure. Oh no! You only roll one die if you're assisting. Oh, all right. Well then, haha! Never mind. So re-roll. <laughs> Go ahead and just re-roll one die. I got one you success, playboy. You gotta re-roll it. <laughs> Do we spend a momentum here because it would be impossible for us to get? Yeah, we need four, right? Yeah, you need four successes. Should we burn a momentum so that Philip can roll one more? Well, you kind of can't because Philip went ahead and made the roll. All right. But yeah, it would have been it would have been the thing to have done. Yeah. I you can that. of course call upon determination for a re-roll. Can we oh. can we do that then? Because for I don't a re-roll without right. Wait, yeah. doesn't a re-roll mean we lose one of our the results we already got? If, if you want to re-roll, yes, he's going to have to, he'll basically lose oh, the successes. But if he gets okay. to re-roll, he can burn momentum on the second roll if he wants. I think well, it's impossible if we don't, right? Yeah. Sorry, gang. I didn't think you could burn it. Yes. Shall we okay, uh, burn so momentum? Quick, um, we're going to say, so you're going to burn a determination. We're going to say here that it's, do you want to say that this is an order maybe that's, Bamir gave you, or I, I just need to know what is what value? What is Omec calling upon to get this reroll? I'm uh, calling upon an order that was given to my higher ranked officer to uh, get more successes. <laughs> With, while this while that first attempt is happening, I'm pacing nearby and kind of muttering to myself. If that Ferengi gave us old information, we are not leaving here without something, Omek. Get something off of that console. Okay, definitely good, thank you. That is an awesome information spend. All right, so go ahead and make your roll. If you want to spend determination on this, or rather uh, momentum on this, you can. While he's rolling, can I look back and go, Captain, if this is old information and it's pointless, 
but his brother hasn't gotten him. Can we go back and get said Ferengi? Because I've been waiting to hurt him. Might be our only bargaining chip left with these Ferengis. I got two successes. Wait, how many rolls? I'm about, to, roll. I'm about two, but I'm about to roll one more because we spent the momentum, right? Here we yeah. go. Yeah. Hey, let's go. I got three successes. Three successes. So you need a success need, from. Okay. I need you your way there. <laughs> no pressure, my house, Vulcan friend. No pressure. It's a nerve-wracking few moments because. Omek, as you make the connection, you can tell how fragile the power source is to this computer right now. The moment the data begins to like connect to the database itself, it becomes clear that just the slightest mistake is going to cause this whole thing to fry. You're going to lose all of it. Kotar behind you is using his tricorder to basically feed power into the unit, but it's not as simple as plugging it in. You're literally having to sit there, Kotar, and just balance out the power feed to make sure you don't short this thing out. And about the time that it looks like what's left of the mainframe and these uh, these chips that are on the inside are about to give, you receive the fraction of data that you're able to pull off of this. It's not much, and it's mostly text-based as it starts to flood in onto the tricorder. At about that point, you see the light flicker on the computer, and it goes... and dies. We lost power, Commander. But you acquired the data you were looking for. Uh, I lost power? (laughs) Well, did you get anything? From the the looks of it, uh, this is definitely a Romulan database. as far as where they were going, they were going to the uh, Delphic Expanse. Um, GM, can you help me? So the Delphic Expanse is where Trillium D comes from. Yeah. It is far away from here. It's in the middle of Federation territory. It is not. Sorry, I'm, I misread it, Commander. It's not the Delphic. It's the type of. No, what you actually what you're finding uh, the information that you're pulling off of this computer doesn't make a lot of sense to you at first, Omek, as you're looking at it. Because it starts running through the Klingon translation of Romulan script into Klingon script. And as it begins to list, you just see what looks like a bunch of gibberish listed and scrolling down. And it keeps adding, scrolling down. And it takes a moment before you finally start to realize this might be a manifest of some kind. I'm going to have you make one more roll. No assist on this. You're going to roll reason science. And the difficulty is two. We have one more momentum if you'd like to use it. To buy that extra die? Does that mean I have to reroll? <laughs> okay. Can I? Do you guys mind if I spend that momentum? Yeah, I would. Yeah, if you're going to, I'll let you do the reroll, but definitely you want to spend momentum before you roll die. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my bad. I'll, I'll spend the momentum and uh, reroll. One success. Two success. Okay. They're not gibberish. They may be names. 
there's a pattern here to the the structure and then it clicks these might be ship names there's about 14 listed scramble data underneath each one but it would seem like each ship received a or was meant to receive shipment of trillium d and as you begin to piece it together omek you get the idea that wherever this trillium d was headed it went to multiple romulan vessels 14 to be exact and these were all 14 romulan vessels that were transporting the premium D, correct? You're thinking that that's what the case is. There's not a lot of information. It's what your reasoning is able to put together is there wherever the Trillium D was meant for was probably these vessels. Because the piece of the information that you have here is that the Romulans are looking to get their hands on this kind of resource so that they could navigate the eddies of spatial anomalies in the Shackleton Expanse. What you might have gotten is a manifest of which which ships will be getting that. And are we able to locate where these ships are? How would you look into the manifest? There's really no way of doing that unless you infiltrated Romulan intelligence of some kind. Yeah, you'd have to. There's no information on this computer that's telling you one way or the other. So can we take is there anything else inside this large cavernous space? Um, not that you can see. Except but for all this Trillium D that we also were hoping to get our hands on. I'm going to spend threat. Ooh. And add a trait to the scene. Because as you are sitting there talking to the commander and having this conversation, Kotar you begin to experience sensations. As you're sitting here listening to everybody have these conversations, you begin to realize that you're clenching your jaw and that you have been this whole time. There's a tension in your muscles and in your neck. You're listening to Omek tell the commander that this is a manifest, perhaps of Romulan vessels. And this surging impatience suddenly overtakes you, Omek. This irritation, you're standing here in the dark. There's not a single thing to do here. You were built to swing the batleth you brought with you, not to scan the inside of the guts of a computer. Impatience. You found a Romulan base. Where are the Romulans? You're seething, Kotar seething <laughs> underneath your skin there's a part of you that's starting to lose a little bit of control and you feel this inside you just brimming to the surface Koto, what i i see that i i'm as i'm explaining this to the commander i i, I sense i sense heat coming from my good friend Kotar. <laughs> You can just glance over it. It's pretty obvious to notice that even among the light, the dark shadows that are being cast across these beams of light that are being shown everywhere, Kotar is like borderline Bruce Banner right now, just... 
You can see beads of sweat beginning to gather around the top parts of his head. Not usual for a Klingon. Kotar, are you unwell? Idash. Yes. And I come over and I jump up and I slap him across the face. What's wrong with you? Okay. You jump up and slap him across the face and I'm going to activate the trait of the scene and I'm taking control of Kotar for a moment. God damn it. <laughs> because when you strike Kotar across the face, he full close fists throws a punch right back at you, Adaj, with, with the intent to kill behind it. It is not, it is not a Klingon love punch. He is trying to put his fists in the back of your skull. He winds that thing up and throws it at you. So I need you, Kotar, to make a daring security check. And Adaj, if you want to get out of this, I'm going to need you to also make a daring security check. You can use your medicine, however. No, wait. Nope, because you're not using your daggers. Remember? So... Daring Yeah. This is not great for you, Adaj. Mokbara will give her uh, the focus so she can land a critical if she rolls her score, but it's not, it, that's not going to affect. This is, a, this is a straight up security check. I have gymnastic agility as one of my focuses. So um, I'll let you, yeah, I'll let you activate that as a focus. But my security score is one. That's gonna suck. <laughs> that's not good. That's not good at all. A true um, arrow out. Uh, it was fitness and security. Uh, it's yeah. daring and security. Oh, I, I have a success. I have one success. Okay. So I now, Otar, go ahead and make your roll. I already did. I have two. two Wait, you have two successes? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I rolled twice. Okay. Kotar almost takes your face off. The heavy fist that nearly impacts you brushes past your head, and the moment you dart your eyes back and look at him, he has lost control. He doesn't look like himself at all. It doesn't look like Kotar is in a fit of like rage towards you. It looks like he is just completely berserked. He looks like he has lost control. And as this is going on, I, I, I realize, and I say, Commander, Commander, we must beam out of this place. Kotar is going crazy. The Trillium D is driving him insane. Trillium D uh, drives Vulcans insane. We must I'm, leave. I uh, activate my comm badge on my arm and say, Riek, get us out of here immediately. Okay. What are you doing, uh, <laughs> Ramyan? Uh, at this point, I'm trying to make sure that if I have to jump in and try to restrain Kotar, um, I'll give you this, Ramyan. You're going to have to because before you guys get beamed out, there's going to be another attack on a dodge. Oh. All right, I will. Uh, he is am going I, to try and kill her. <laughs> am I taking out said Batleth that I brought? No. Your rage has driven you. You just want to crush someone's throat. You're not using okay. blades or anything. You just want to crush somebody. I was just making sure that would be very sure. probable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd like to assist. Oh, sorry. Um, I was thrown back. Do I still have an action here or no? Um, I would say, I would say, let me find out what. Can I take yes. a mind? You, you would technically have an action because this was combat. 
And what you were rolling was not only a dodge, but a counterattack. If you want, you can hit him. What I want to do, I I am a medicine officer. Um, mm-hmm. Do I have a sort of sedative on me? Yes, you would definitely have. Yeah, because you've got your, if I remember correctly, you carry your med kit with you on away missions. Okay. To load a sedative into your spray and inject him with it is going to be tricky because you don't have enough actions to do it. If um, if Ra'amyan can restrain him and I can assist Ra'amyan, we can maybe hold him down to give uh, you an opportunity to do that. That you could totally do. Because I'm going to say, uh, Bemir, contacting the ship and calling for a beam out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call that a minor action. So you still get one task you can do. If okay, you cool. and Ramyan want to team up and try to restrain this huge Klingon, you guys can do it. Is there Let's try. Can I help? Or would that be too much? What's that? Can I help as well? Like just to hold him down? Yes. Oh yeah, you guys can dogpile him if you want. I'll allow two assists on this. All right. Um, before we, we should- do that though, before we roll that, is he responsive to words at all or should I not even try to? It's impossible to tell right now. If he is responsive to words, he's not showing it. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna take all the sedative I have and load it in. <laughs> <laughs> all right, screw it. Let's, let's just let's two liter bottle and plug it into the. <laughs> okay, so you're leading. Who's who's le- you're leading the way on this, Ramyan? So this is gonna be a daring security check. Okay, for Bemir and for for okay. For Bamir and for Omek, this is going to be a fitness security check. Okay. So this is to see if Ramyan can tackle him, and then the two of you are going to try to hold him down. Okay. <clears throat> What's the difficulty, or is it resisted? Uh, this is going to be resisted. So in your case... Uh, actually... This, uh, I don't think this can be resisted because he's taken an action. He can try to break free next round. So this is going to be a difficulty one check. Oh. All right. One success. <laughs> okay. So well, let's make sure. Is the complication range the same, the normal one? Yes, I didn't change the complication range. All right, great. Because the other one was an eight. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I rolled a one. That's oh, okay. nice. Yeah. I rolled one success. I was just seeing if there was any. I have athletics as a focus. Can I use a yep. focus? Yep. I'm going to play here. Yeah. Then I got a crit. I got a crit. So two successes. Okay. So the crew successfully tackles. <laughs> you guys basically body tackle Kotar and <laughs> in him and pull him down to the ground. As the three of you are doing this, you're getting an intense appreciation for the sheer power of your security officer because he actually pushes back pretty hard to the point where you're certain that if it wasn't all three of you, he might have broken free. And at about that point, you feel the presence of a Dodge standing over all of you just going, okay, okay, like loading up this hypo spray. We're going to do a new round now. So what I'm going to do is instead of having you re-roll, you guys got a total of four successes. Is that correct? Five. So, Kotar, if you want out of this death grip, you've got to roll on a five difficulty. You're going to be rolling fitness plus security. 
Okay. So I have to get basically two crits in order to do this? I'm like, going to spend a threat to add a die to your pool. Oh, boy. I got GM threat. All right. Yep. So roll three dice. Wait, um, my focus is hand-to-hand -hand combat in athletics. Does that come into play here? Yeah, you definitely have focuses that'll come into play here. <laughs> now. No! What did you roll? I got a five. <laughs> so, you got five successes? No, I got a five. My first roll was a five. I just oh, okay. So that's, that's two successes then. <laughs> I got a two. <laughs> that's four successes. <laughs> <laughs> Why now? Why now? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> that's that's five. That's five. five. This security officer, as three of you were pinning him down, lets out a bestial roar. It would chill the blood <laughs> hearing it. Kotar you see three bodies at the end of a red tunnel, and all you know is you're gonna kill everything you have to kill to get to them. The three of you that are pinning him down are hurled off of him as he pushes everyone aside. Bamir, you go tumbling off, clattering to the ground and rolling. Omek, your head snaps back as a knee smashes into your chin and sends you hurtling up against the wall. And Ramyan, you're not sure what happens to you, but when you come around, you're laying against the wall a good six feet away from all of this. He is standing on all of, uh, he is standing up again, still screaming, looking around for the next person to go. Adaj, you've got an action. You're sedative is loaded it's on you now <laughs> uh is there any way i could throw it at him with my skill of medicine since no. it's this is that would be like trying to throw a needle at somebody and then hoping it injected itself you've got to really get up there and but yeah. here's the thing you can use your medicine check on this okay yes i would like to do that i'm gonna try and um get in close to him i'm just gonna kind of run my attempt is i'm going to try and run dodge him and kind of get behind him and try and stab him with the crank okay um go ahead and make your this is going to be your martial arts check then go ahead and make your roll um this is kotar you're going to be able to defend against this it's going to be your uh daring plus security but you're at an increased difficulty of two how many successes do i need um you're gonna need to beat him uh, okay. I also have gymnastic agility again. And yeah, I your focus will come into play. If you want, maybe now is a good time to spend a determination. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. If I, yeah, if I spend a point of a determination, I can roll a die, and if an effect is rolled, I immediately regain that spent point of determination. Right, right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try and stab his motherfucker with the train. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Go ahead and make the roll. And then, so, um, right? Kotar, I'm gonna get, what's that? I get three, bye. Because you spend determination? Yeah, right. No, you just gain automatically two successes. Oh, okay. it's, like, it's like immediately getting a critical hit. So it's like you have a third die that just rolled a one. I got a two, so that's two. 
And it was uh, fitness and medicine? Uh, f- yes. Then I, uh, I got three successes with my two role. So plus my other two, I have five successes. Okay, so Kotar, you're making a daring security check, but it's an increased difficulty of two. So you need to roll at least two successes. Uh, you're muted. I got a five, so that's two successes, right? Yeah. How many is? But you're rolling. You're rolling your two d twenty. Yeah, that was that was my first one. Was okay, a five. Roll? Okay, roll again. I got my two off the top one. Oh, I failed that one, so we're good. I got the two successes. Yeah. Huh? She hits you. Yeah. Yay. A dodge darts underneath. You make a grab. There's something you can break. You try for it. She is way too quick. This little Klingon bolts right out from underneath you. And as you reach to grab her, she actually pivots in perfect Makbara form, moving right around the backside of you and slams something into the back of your neck. And immediately a wave of dizziness overtakes you. You guys watch Kotar stumble forward for a little bit. Froth gathering at the corner of his mouth, dripping down his beard. He sees Bamir picking herself up off the ground. And you stare at her for a split second, like you're gonna make a go for her, Kotar. And then the next thing you know, the ground is rushing up to meet your face. I'm gonna try and break his fall a little bit, just because he's so large. He okay. might break it open. You're strong enough that you catch him, all of them. You can't, you stop him from slamming into the ground. You can just hear him making sort of this pained noise, like an animal that's trying to growl, but it's half unconscious. We need to get him back to med bay immediately. Uh, I uh, activate my badge again and say, Riek. Uh, it's in your wrist. <laughs> yeah, I know. I always keep doing this, but it's here. <laughs> um, I say, Riek, uh, we need a transport of Kotar to a containment field in sick bay. Uh, understood. A few moments later, the red beams we'll go ahead and uh what's your what's the momentum pool that for everybody right now zero zero everyone has zero okay so zero momentum all right so you don't lose any because you didn't have any we're gonna cut to you guys on board the ship um now real quick are y'all y'all are still cloaked or un, like how, what's what's the situation with the borku okay so under cloak we never uncloaked yeah. okay so beaming back up under the borku um, in the med bay, go ahead and dodge. At this point, everybody's kind of gathered around you. He is restrained and half conscious. He doesn't seem to know where he is. But go ahead and make a reason medicine check as you're running the scan over him. The difficulty is one. I got two successes. Okay. Adage. Initial scans, as you're looking at the charts and the, the readouts coming in, all the data that's being fed back to you, his physiology, the chemical composition of what's going on, what you can tell is Omek was right. It looks like he has tri- traces of Trillium D in his blood system. It's interacting with his Vulcan physiology. It's not going... It's, it's, it's interacting with him in such a way that, that that side of him that is Vulcan is actually triggering a 
violent response from from the from the rest of it you know like vulcans this causes vulcans you know to lose their ability to control their emotions what you guys got a glimpse of is what kotar's holding back every time you guys go on an away mission he was he lost control and it looks like from the initial scans that he is going to require at least a day of bed rest and treatment to clear this out of his system I'm I'm sorry to say Kotar is going to be out of commission. We're going to have to try and leech this poison out of him best that we can, but he'll be unavailable for a day. As long as we get him back stronger than he was before. You want me to fix any new guys? You guys need any fixing? Omek, how's that shoulder feeling? My shoulder's fine. The, the only question that I have is that as we continue to dive deeper into this um and we need trillium d for our hole as insulation uh how is this going to affect him in the future because i i for sure wasn't able to hold him back and all of us weren't able to hold him back so is there anything that we can possibly do to like have some sort of uh block inhibitors in his brain to so that that vulcan part of his brain doesn't uh, react the same way to the Trillium D? Is there anything that we can maybe look into and, and f- figure out uh, if you, so this doesn't occur again? Once a dodge, you can make a, you can make an obtain information check with the momentum you just gained. To answer that question, I can give you that info to sort yeah. of reflect a dodge's medical knowledge of what's going on. Um, so long as he doesn't come into direct physical contact with Trillium D, you should be fine. You can put it in the hull and it would be fine. You could probably refit, refit the ship and it would be fine. To actually be inside a refinery where it was refined or where it was kept, you're running the risk of him having an interaction with it. Otherwise, so long as he doesn't come into contact with it. I mean, and the other piece of evidence that you have is he was close to this before when you guys rescued that Tellarite trader, And he didn't have, I was paying very close attention <laughs> to see if he was gonna interact with it. And there wasn't, the, the, the unit wasn't opened and he didn't interact with it. Is it um, breathing it in or is it just any sort of touch or proximity? Any kind of, it, yeah. it could be, it, it's like a mixture of little A, little B. So can, uh, any, you want any help here? Don't, don't have, he should not have any contact with it. It's proximity can function very much like radiation in its, in its pure form. Okay. If it's in the hull, it's not that big of a deal. But if it is like, and mostly because keeping in mind that he is half Vulcan. So he has resistance to it, but you guys were kind of inside, you know, the mine of Trillium D as, as it were. So, and is, is, is there any way for one of us like me per se to like build him a, a suit of some sort so that he doesn't- An environmental suit would do just fine. What you guys have on board is an environmental suit. If he was ever to have to go on an away mission like that again and you wanted to avoid this, he could just wear an environmental suit and it wouldn't be a problem. It would filter all of that out. What I'm thinking too is that we can have, first of all, we we should salvage that Trillium D down there, but we need to make sure we keep it out of our ship's system so that our security officer isn't breathing it in. So my thought is we create a containment area um, 
in engineering or maybe even in a cargo bay for Riek to, you know, do the retrofitting that she needs to do for the hull so that all the Trillium D is just there and then outside and that's how we manage it. From my understanding is that we actually found traces of Trillium D. We weren't actually finding the Trillium D itself. Oh, it was Um, empty. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well then, there's nothing for us to take then. Nothing but the data that you just gained. And if you want me to give you a hint, because you've been handed a big clue, this whole time, the assumption was that the Trillium D was going to be used on this special weapon, this bird of prey that can firewall cloaked. Instead, what you uncovered is a manifest of ships that are meant to receive the Trillium D. And nowhere on there is there, it's impossible to know if like his, his ship is among them because you don't have the, you don't have the name of the warbird that you're looking for. But you do have a manifest of ships that are designed that are that are intended to get this. Does this mean that the Romulans are targeting Vulcans and could possibly go to war with them, or no? Targeting Vulcans? I don't know. I, I, because of the Trillium D, I don't, I'm trying to be a detective right now. No, it's Trillium D. That's just a side effect that it has on Vulcans. Okay. Trillium D is being used so that they can navigate in the Shackleton Expanse without having to worry about the thing is, is if you guys fly under cloak and shackleton you run the risk of colliding with spatial anomalies which exist like road bumps out there and it can wreak havoc on your power systems and will cause you to decloak as you hit them i have a question for the do we know how much trillium d there was was it enough to outfit those 14 ships entirely with you're not you're not entirely sure but i will say that gauging by the size of the facility and how many names are on that manifest it's very likely so there could be 14 ships that have this ability. That are outfitted with Trillium D. Now, it is also worth noting that your Ferengi friend did say that at least for six months he'd been supplying the Romulans. So it could be that this this facility wasn't abandoned per se. It's just that they finished their mission. They finished outfitting these 14 ships, smashed the computer because they were done, and then left the station. Commander... Do you think they were outfitting 14 ships simply to deal with these anomalies? Or outfitting 14 ships that can fire while cloaked? Is that the same? The Trillium D also helps them to fire while cloaked? Is that the same? Help them remain cloaked. Oh, so that they don't have to, uh, so that they can navigate the, the anomalies. They don't have to... I'm confused. <laughs> Can we just Trillium summarize D, what's going on? <laughs> Trillium D helps... Trillium D reinforces your hull so that when you come into contact with spatial anomalies, it will not wreak havoc with your systems. If you're right. flying under cloak, your shields are not going to protect you from spatial anomalies because you ain't got your shields up. So you're pretty much going to smash into these things left and right. It becomes dangerous to fly through the Shackleton Expanse with a cloaking device. Unless... You're flying through the Shackleton Expanse with a cloaking device and a hull that's lined with Trillium D. Right, but that is that the same technology as the Warbird that we're looking for that can fire while cloaked? It's, it's no, but what Quincy is suggesting is, do you think that there's more out there and that's why they're outfit? Because why wouldn't they just outfit the one Warbird? Why are they outfitting 14? 
So Quincy's making the leap. If I remember, not to put words in your mouth, Quincy, but it sounds to me like you're making the leap. Like if they're outfitting 14 more ships, then clearly that's 14 more ships that are going to operate in Shackleton. So can they also firewall cloaked is what Quincy's asking. Got it. Yeah. And also another question would be what's in the Shackleton expanse? Why are these 14 ships going out to the Shackleton expanse? What's out there that these Romulans are looking for? And if it's 14 ships and not just one, it's not just a single rogue. It's an entire plan to do something. Maybe going to war? That is an entire fleet. Should we go back to Imperial Command with this data, Commander? I suppose so. Trying to remember. I think... Can we trust everyone there? Well, that's one question. Another question is, I think they wanted us to not return until we found this warbird, if I'm remembering correctly. Your orders were to capture it. Yeah, so if there we don't the, have it, then we yeah, shouldn't the, go back. The big we fight have, we all had was yes. that they, they expect you to capture it. We have a list of 14 more ships that might know. So we start hunting them down. <clears throat> Let's go hunting! I have a feeling that Scrag or his brother seems to know more than what they put on. That they know what these Romulans are doing out in the Shackleton Expanse. But they didn't tell us. So should we go back to that icy planet and pick him up and maybe try to use him the way he used us? Don't we have the frequency? You do. It is also worth noting that by the time you reach that planet, Skag would be way gone. Probably in the hands of Sprack by that point. Or food for whatever lives on that planet. (laughs) I think we should contact the Skag again. Sprack? Let's contact Sprack and see what he knows. Sprack is the good brother. Skag is the bad brother. (laughs) Yeah. Sprack is the one that's in command of the Liquidator and helped you capture his brother on Risa. And before we do that, shouldn't we try to obtain some sort of Trillium D so that if we go out to the Shackleton Expanse when we try to capture this bird of prey, Romulan ship that we are supposed to bring back, um, we won't run into these spatial anomalies? We need Trillium D, that's for sure. So maybe, yeah, maybe it's worth calling Sprack and also seeing if he can set us up with some Trillium D. Cut to <laughs> Vamir sitting in the center chair on the bridge with the Ferengi on the view screen. Sprack is looking at you going, we keep running into each other, don't we? This was a purposeful phone call. Minus one momentum, by the way, just so I don't forget, in case y'all had one, because it's a new scene. We had zero had anyway. Zero? <laughs> purposeful call. Very well. What can I do for you? Truly MD. Seems to be coming up in conversation a lot these days. It does. Where can we get some? You're a buyer? It's not easy. 
people back in the Federation have started to get restless. Apparently, everyone knows something is going on with Trillium D and the Shackleton expanse at this point. Nothing's being what? kept quiet anymore. What is going on with Trillium D and the Shack Shackleton expanse besides the obvious? Well, all I know is the Shackleton Expanse is not exactly safe to travel through unless you've got a really nice sensor suite to detect spatial anomalies or a hull that can withstand the spatial anomalies as you slam into them like an idiot. That would be most people that fly through the Shackleton Expanse. But there's a lot of opportunity in the Shackleton Expanse. New worlds that have never been seen before, resources to exploit. Think about it, entire industries of people who don't know that you even exist. You could become a deity and perhaps liquidate the entire economy of a world that never knew spacefarers were out there. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> what do you find most compelling about the Shackleton Expanse? What is the creative opportunity out there? I haven't decided yet. I'm not sure the Shackleton Expanse is for me. In all honesty, there's a lot of changes going on in the Ferengi Union. And frankly, it's long overdue. I like to be a reformer. I'd like to have more political influence in the goings-on of my own people. Out in the Shackleton Expanse, that's out in the middle of nowhere. So what would Romulans find so interesting about the Shackleton Expanse? What did you hear from the Romulans you worked with for six months? You must have picked up something with those lobes of yours. Well, it was mostly my brother that was dealing with them, but the times that I spoke to them, they were very typically Romulan about it. Romulans have a tendency of killing people who know things, so you don't ask too much when you're around them. So you don't know anything? Well, maybe I know something. You're looking for... Commander, do you think he might have records of these other ships we are looking for as well? We could... we could see if he does. Records of other ships? Yes. Um, you have that manifest? Right here, Commander. But do you recognize any of these names? You gonna these transmit ships? them? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay. Don't, <laughs> don't worry, this isn't Callisto Six. <laughs> no one's gonna intercept <laughs> everything you're doing and then use it against everything you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you transmit these names uh, on subspace. Sprack looks like he's responding to it. He starts looking at the data as it's coming through. He just says Are these the names of Robin and Vessels? Yes, they must be. We believe so. Huh. And this has something to do with the Trillium D. You got this from a bunch of Romulans? In, in a way. Uh, uh. I mute the screen and I say, Commander, he knows more than what he's saying. Can I do an insight uh, roll on Yes, this? absolutely. Can I assist? Insight command. Uh, no, this is going to be the captain on this one. Okay. It's going to be all Commander Bamir. All right. And I have observe. Uh, can I use observation as a focus? Yes. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So okay. insight command. 
One success. Okay. Um, he is not lying. He seems like he's trying to figure out something as well. Like he's oh. taking the pieces of the puzzle that you've given him and that he's also trying to figure this out. You get the impression that he probably does know things, but he doesn't know what he needs to tell you. So he's like sifting through it right now, just kind of like, hmm. You know, you said this is a manifest you got from Romulans. Where did it come from? Why are these names important? We think these ships all were outfitted with Trillium D. All of them? All of them. Hmm. I remember hearing something when I was on board the USS Ross. I wasn't supposed to hear it. They left me outside the holodeck. They just left me there. The name Spectre isn't on this list. Spectre? And who or what is Spectre? I don't remember the Romulan translation, but I think the Spectre is the name of the Romulan ship that can fire under cloak. Hmm. At least that's what I think I heard Dr. Wellix say. Wellix? Mm-hmm. They, um, trill. The one who Mindok is looking for. The one that Mindok is looking for. Hmm. Should we know where to find him? Wellix? You could find Wellex on the USS Ross, as far as I know, and they're stationed... <gasps> no, that's probably not right. Is What's it not probably right? not right? Well, it's just strange to me that there's all these names of ships that would be getting Trillium D, but not the one that supposedly everyone has assumed would be getting it. Something's not adding up here. Something else is going on. You know what I think? I think I think that maybe there's a little bit of a family feud. I think that maybe Mindak and Sila don't see eye to eye. I knew it. what I think. He's looking at this list again. He's not on this list. So this is Sila's list. And Mendak already has his ship with Trillium D, which is why it's not on here. That's right. And in total struggle. So perhaps they're going to war with themselves, with each other. Well, we knew that, we know that there's like trouble brewing on the border. Hmm. Could be great trade opportunities. They break out in war. They fight among themselves and just keep it where they are. I'm fine with that. 
don't like war and all, but uh, if Romulans are killing each other and it's not me, then I'm, yeah. <laughs> Do we know that Mindak's ship doesn't have Trillium D already or does it? No, you have no idea. Right up until this point, it's been assumed that Mindak has also been looking for Trillium D in order to outfit his ship. This is the first time you've seen or even heard of anybody else after it. And he is noticeably absent. If if Sprack is to be believed, his ship is not on that manifest. So is it possible that between these two factions, one has a ship that can fire while cloaked, but the other has 13, 14, 13 ships? I can tell you to look out for this one right here. And he taps on the data pad. You see it says the RRW Invictus. That's Sheila's Warbird. You come across the registry, you found Sheila. Mm. So Sprague, do you also have any Trillium D for us as well? I could probably acquire some Trillium D. It's going to cost you a little bit but you did deliver to me my brother and you did help me get back my ship rather unwittingly but you did help me reacquire the liquidator so i suppose that is worth um i suppose that's worth something oh i'm sorry did i say i said rrw it's irw sorry IRW Invictus. I've been playing way too much Star Trek online. Or not enough. Who knows? Um, it's IRW. Uh, all of the Romulan ships are IRW. <laughs> um, Sprack says, I tell you what, I will make you a deal. I might be able to uncover enough Trillium D to outfit your vessel, but... I might need to call in a favor requiring a cloaked ship in the future. And since I don't have any cloaked ships on hand, if you would agree to do me this favor, I can uh, go find you some Trillium D. What do you think? What do you say? Seems like a deal we could agree to. This big grin cracks across Sprack's face, and the daemon leans back in his chair and says, it sounds like this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. That's where we're going to leave it tonight. <laughs> it's 9.30. On the dot. <laughs> On the dot. That's called stick in the landing. <laughs> we don't do that too often anymore. But that's a good stopping point. So... The next time we see the IKS Borku, she may have gone through a refit. Some pretty interesting stuff might be taking place. Guys, good game tonight. Really, really good game. And I'm shocked that my Ferengi NPC has been given new life like this, but I'm happy <laughs> that y'all are doing business with Sprack. <laughs> so. To everybody who showed up tonight, uh, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Blood of the Void. This is a treat that we get to do once a month. It's a nice little fun side game that we get to do with a bunch of badass mofos who love to play Klingons and beat the living hell out of each other. Um, well done on restraining Chris 
What's wrong with you, Chris? You just trying to kill people? What's the matter with you? You yeah, did it. PvP, like what the hell? Um, we'll catch you guys next month for the next episode of Blood of the Void as we continue to advance the Romulan conspiracy coming to a head. We'll see where we end up on the next episode of Blood of the Void. Until then, everybody, die well.